does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Yeah, yeah, it's Wednesday. Thanks for waking up with us, KB and Andy. It is the wake-up call right here on The Fan. We got you until 10 o'clock, as always, broadcasting live from the drivehubler.com studios. KB, a good morning. You know what starts today, right? You know what starts today? The crossover. You get a little football. You get a little basketball in a couple weeks. You get a little college basketball. You get your Shrewsbury sprinkled in on a big Tuesday night in college hoops. Big secret scrimmage (laughs) win for the Irish. Oh, boy. Who do they beat? Savannah Uh, State? Xavier. Xavier. Okay. So, little name. The X in Cincinnati. How you doing? Ken Palm had Xavier ranked much higher than the Irish, so thrilled by that. I'm great. Um... I'm super excited for tonight. I, I think we've talked about it a lot here over the last few months. Just the intrigue with this Pacers season. And, you know, I was thinking on the drive-in, Andy, like, this market needs to feel yeah. some legit winning. It's exactly what I wrote down this morning. Like, We're the same wavelength. I, I mean, love it. Think about, you know, how long it's been since the Colts have won a playoff game. If you're a fan of, you know, Indiana basketball, I mean, I, I'm not even going to go down the football path for Indiana or Purdue, but, um, you know, if you're a fan of Indiana basketball and how last season ended, um, you know, you were hoping, I think, for a Sweet 16-type team with a Trace Jackson-Davis and a first-round pick and Jalen Huchofino. Obviously, Purdue speaks for itself and how ugly and awful that finish was last season to a 16 seed. Um, and then for the Pacers, just as a franchise, um, you know, I tweeted out last night a handful of things I want to see this season, and the first one to me is, you know, meaningful game in the month of April. It's been way too long since we've gotten to that part of the calendar, Andy, and this team has played even just late regular season games that matter, let alone a playoff you game. You want to feel those butterflies in yeah. your stomach, right? And, a couple and, times. You know, part of it is selfish. I mean, part sure. of it is I want to discuss that, but it, I also think it's important for this new era to feel that. I thought Tyrese Halliburton had a great quote yesterday about expectations, and a lot of these guys on this roster, Andy, they have not won, like period, at any level. And so it's really, really vital that I think they start uh, to feel that. So looking forward to tonight. Again, it is Pacers and Wizards opening night from GameBridge Fieldhouse. The Colts get back to practice today as they get ready for another 3-4 and four team in town. That would be the New Orleans Saints. Coming up on Sunday, Jim Irsay. Uh, on the Newswire late last night with a couple of tweets that we can touch on uh, and a whole lot to get to here on this Wednesday. So good Wednesday morning to everybody out there. Thank you for tuning in. Yeah, Stephen Holder going to join us uh, at 8 o'clock. Chris Denary will join us in the 9 o'clock hour. Of course, the news last night per Jim Ursay, Anthony Richardson had successful surgery in L.A. Now, does that he does that mean he didn't go with our guy? Who is our guy who is the Texas Rangers? Uh, do you remember his name? The the surgeon who is with the Texas Rangers? Did he not go with him? Keith Meister. Meister. Did he not go with the Meister then, I guess? If he went all the way out to Los Angeles? I assume he meant L.A., not Louisiana. <laughs> right? I'm yeah, sure that was the... California. Uh, this is the Kobe Bryant doctor, okay. correct? Okay. Right? Right, well, so there you go. Aaron Rodgers doctor there. Yeah, the successful surgery... From Jim Mercer again, the first time I ever see a uh, a response of a unsuccessful yeah, he's surgery. The Aaron Rodgers doctor. What does that mean? He's going to put potions on Anthony well, Richardson. What does that mean? You never. Richardson ne- never has to know. go into a cave. Hit him with some leaves. That, there, there it is. I was trying to lure Mark Dyton out of uh, drink out of his this and don't hole. look back, young <laughs> man. Mm-hmm. Uh, this from Ursay last Here, sir, night. It's ayahuasca soup. <laughs> 
Anthony Richardson's surgery today in L.A. was a success. Good job. It was a long procedure, and his shoulder injury has been repaired. No new surprises were found during surgery. They just repaired what was expected. Anthony is doing well, and thanks everyone for the support. In parentheses, there is presently no date for his return. I did ask Shane Steichen last week if... You know, the Colts expected Anthony Richardson to be good to go for the spring offseason program, and uh, Shane did say good chance of that. So, um, again, I, I there was another item that we can get to here in just a second, but uh, I'll echo what I said last week, Andy. I don't really have that much of a shoulder rehab concern to this. Maybe I should. Maybe it's a really important body part, and who knows? Maybe it will impact some of his throwing motion. Will Carroll said to us last week, it's more of just kind of how your shoulder feels moving forward and less to do maybe with the mechanics of your motion. My bigger Richardson injury-related question is just, you know, what is the career window for him moving forward. How long can he play at the style that you'd ideally like to play him at? Yeah, last week we talked about this. It's the totality of the injuries, right? It's not the shoulder injury itself. I don't know why. Like, we both feel that way. Organically, we both kind of said to each other, you know, I'm not as worried about the shoulder. I'm just worried that he played a month of NFL football, could not finish games, and came up with three or four different injuries. Now, uh, as we go today, we have to mention as well Jim Ursay's plea. Uh, and I actually think it's not a bad idea, and I actually have a a way that I think it would absolutely work, uh, and that is being able to look at and replay all calls. And of course, the Colts uh, got an admittance from the NFL. uh, The end of the game situation wasn't right. Who cares? That doesn't make anyone feel better. I mean, part two of Ursay's tweet, right? Uh, Yeah, that's part. Do you just want to read part two? How much is Ursay paying for 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 Twitter? He's able to. He's paying the nine ninety nine, isn't it? Is is that what it costs? These five hundred character tweets. uh, Part two from last night from Mersey, the NFL admits and understands that they did not make the correct calls, that's plural, at end of Sunday's Colts-Browns game. I believe we need to institute instant replay for all calls, including penalties in the last two minutes of all games. Yeah, I could get with that. I'll tell you why later on. That's not the biggest thing. I I, I don't think this needs to become, not not us, I just a discussion around here. Uh, you know, the NFL still didn't let P.J. Walker move the ball down the field. Still didn't have, you know, not able to contain Miles Garrett. Still didn't get a field goal blocked and, you know, fumbles, interceptions, and everything else. But 2 3 9 again, Stephen Holder going to join us. Chris Denary, we are loaded today on this Wednesday. I think there's a few things KB just right off the top and I think you got to both of them the Pacers could bring some light here and I think that is uh, I'm going to be interested in kind of watching this fan base watch hell watching you watching me kind of watching how we react to this team that go look at that early season schedule I mean it's not a breeze Washington should be a win tonight I'm not going to say it's going to be easy Uh, it is still a professional basketball game but uh, it's go time we have heard so much about expectations and everything else and I'm not kidding. I love when the crossover hits, man. It's bad for programming radio, which I did in a former, former life. But when you have NBA, college basketball, and the NFL, college football hitting, uh, when we get to late October, early November, it's absolutely the best. And then let's make, you know, on Wednesdays, we commonly do this. This is the way my brain goes. Reaction Monday. There's always things to clean up on Tuesday. We react to the coaches. They speak Monday and everything else. Some injury stuff and everything else. Uh, but now it's Wednesday. The players are back from their day off yesterday for the most part. And, you know, for me, 
another three and four team comes in here. This is a team that has uh, not you know not great quarterback play, streaky quarterback play, pretty good defensive numbers. Uh, you know, I, I mean, if you look at their defense, fourth in yards per game, seventh in points per game, are the Saints. And let's be honest with ourselves, whether it be trade deadline or just talking about this team, four and four is such a monumental difference, KB, than three and five. And what is at stake on Sunday, uh, quite frankly, is a ton, is it not? I mean, they need a bounce back. They need to get this win. Minshew needs to take care of the football. Uh, and as we, you know, as the Pacers start up, we have to remember the Colts. I mean, if you're going to stay in things this season, we've talked about the last game, two games being so pivotal. You gave those up. You didn't win those. You got to get a win Sunday. You got to hold court at Lucas Oil against a team that I think, quite frankly, the Colts are better than. Colts a slight favorite as we look ahead to Sunday. Um, it's interesting, Andy. I've I tried to early in the week get a pulse of the opponent and, and you know whatever that's listening to you know Saint stuff or reading Saint stuff because both teams are three and four and. It is interesting to me, and I think a lot of this has to do with preseason expectations. I want to state that up front. But in New Orleans, it is, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. this season has been a disaster. Like, we are broken coming out of the mini-bye week. There are major questions about our football team, about our older quarterback, uh, etc., etc. Whereas the Colts at 3-4, and it's almost like this... A little bit of an uplifting spirit of, hey, this has been better than I think we thought it would be. They've looked overall a little bit better. It's inter- And again, I think so much of this has to do with one team started a whatever Derek Carr is, 30-something years old, and the other one started a 21-year-old. By the way, his contract, beginning his contract's, um, he's being paid $36 mil next year. Of the year. <laughs> and, and, and again, you know, Man. New Orleans viewed that as the NFC South stinks. We'll go get the best quarterback for this division, and right. we'll win the division. We'll go be a fourth you know, New Orleans has always had a nice kind of, uh, you know, I think they've had pretty good skill talent. Their defense has always been, you know, fairly good as well. And clearly, they have not. I mean, they have not played well. Three and four. You could say they're even fortunate to be that. If anyone watched that Thursday night game, there were some major issues they had against Jacksonville. Um, and, and I'm curious. You know, first time all year the Colts have lost two in a row. How do they react to that? Um, how does Michael Pittman react to you know making some public comments? Uh, you know, Marshawn Lattimore is known as one of the better corners around. Um, you know, I, I think back to when T.Y. Hilton, he didn't do it very often, but when he chirped, he backed it up right away. Uh, I think back to the clown mask <laughs> in Houston before that playoff game in the first third down of the game. The clown mask. Uh, Frank Reich and Andrew Luck said to T.Y. before the game started, you know, you if you're going to do that, we're coming to you and you got to deliver. And he did. You know, how, it, you know, that's kind of a step for a whiteout. If you're going to do that, deliver. And so I'm curious how Pittman will look on Sunday as well. Um, it does sound like Juju Brent's going to miss some time with that quad injury. Uh, the Colts made a, a move for a defensive tackle yesterday to their practice squad. So Eric Johnson, who was playing the most snaps for Grover Stewart, uh, likely to miss some time as well. So we'll get into all of that. But again, more than anything, as opening night is underway, uh, really looking forward to Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Adam Silver in town. As you saw him last night uh, on the telecast for TNT. He will be in town today for an all-star announcement. I thought I saw... 
Uh, some of the national NBA people believe that it will be an East-West format now moving forward. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll They're changing back it back. to that. They're not doing um, the draft thing anymore. So it won't be LeBron and Giannis drafting, <laughs> which I feel like has been for the last couple of years. Uh, so we'll see any other announcements. Uh, Adam Silver's got a press conference over at Gamebridge Field, uh, Fieldhouse at 4.30 today. And again, Pacers and Wizards tonight. A seven-and-a-half point spread, and the Wizards stink. Now, we left yesterday's show. Are you are you going to lay a bet down on the Pacers yeah, so, and alternate mm-hmm. over-under? Do you want to do that later on in the show? What do you want to do with that? So, I laid down one yesterday. Okay. I had one of those uh, boosts, oh. uh, one of those odds <laughs> boosts. And sure. so, I put um, just simply odds. I had to use it on a futures bet. Okay. Uh, so, I put... Uh, a chunk of change down, nothing substantial on the Pacers to make the playoffs. Okay. Uh, and that okay. is just, again, I believe five or six seed. Oh, goodness. This, they should make the playoffs. Yeah, you get the playing game too? Now, this did state, you know, you, you have to be one of the top eight seeds. I know we get into this kind of weird, oh, you know, did you technically make it if you're the nine of the ten, but you lose in the playoffs? <laughs> well, that was going to be my question. So yeah. you had to be one of the top eight okay. seeds top as a clarification seed. on that. Well, they better and, be. <laughs> and I think I am leaning towards the 45-plus wins. Okay. It is. I am reminded last year of just how rare Tyrese Halliburton is. And I think you could make an argument, Andy, that if you listed the top, I would say three to five most valuable players to their team, like if you took this dude off their team, what would they look like? Halliburton to me, I think he's a top three valuable player to his team in the NBA. And you, you can look at the numbers from last year when he was off the floor. Andy, this team wasn't losing. They were getting blown out. It was double-digit losses. It was 20-point losses on a rather consistent basis. Doesn't so, that scare you, though, a little right, bit? That, so, that, that's kind of one of my things. That has to scare you. Like other, like if KD goes down, Devin Booker's there, right? Bradley B. Event, you know, they won last night without Bradley B. Right, it helps when you've got Devin Booker doing what he does and obviously Durant. And so... Yes, that that's kind of twofold. One, it's obviously it shows you how great of a player Tyrese Halliburton is, and his scoring and his playmaking is you know right up there. I think with you know a lot of guards in the league, but obviously uh, when he's off the floor, like even when he subs out of the game, can you still have enough on that end? So plenty to get to Pacers front, plenty to get to Colts front. And it is a shame that uh, the Colts will not see this opponent for another month and a half. But this just in from the NFL <laughs> Network. Uh, put your mayo in your coffee. The I Titans saw that. are I preparing to start Will Levis. Are we doing it? On Sunday. I, I feel like we got to wait until the Colts play him. Yeah, yeah, we have like what? Like a month until Tennessee comes? Isn't that uh, early well, no, December? Uh, yeah, the Colts will be going to them early December, I believe. Yeah, so Andy, we have a month Andy's or so. he's got plenty of time to stock up on Tums then. Plenty of time for Will Levis not to be the starter as well. Now, this week we get C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, right? Yes, we do. I just love the Texans in that game. Is that the first win for Carolina? Uh, No. 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 Was that against the Bears or against the Colts upcoming? I I don't know their first win. I really don't. Hang on. Let me let me look at their schedule. I was putting my power rankings together, and I'm looking at their schedule, and I'm like, I just, the Bears would be the only one in a couple weekends. I mean, again, I hate to be cocky. It better not be the Colts. I can tell you that. That's, that's one of those three, lay, right? That's one of those layup games. Yeah, they go, they have home contests, Texans, Colts, and at Bears. You would imagine if you're a fan of their team, you're looking at that stretch and saying, I got to get something there. They do have the Packers later on in the season, the Saints later on in the season, perhaps the Titans, if uh, they keep selling off parts, if Derrick Henry's not a part of what they're doing, if New Hopkins isn't there, uh, etc. One thing also I want to get to, maybe at 8.30 or 8.45 we can do this, KB. Uh, I told you yesterday, 
I was going to look at some wide receiver contract situations uh, and guys that are going to be after this season, 2024, and free agents after 2025. As we know, Anthony Richardson, at some point, you're going to have to get help for him. You're going to have to get a Stephon Diggs. You're going to have to get a Devontae Adams. You're going to have to go out and kind of get a big-time player. You look at A.J. Brown, what that has meant to Jalen Hurts there in Philadelphia. So I have some guys. I have a list. Is that okay? Sure. And maybe a couple guys starred uh, that we may want to look at here in the next calendar year, 18 months or so. Again, a lot of Pacers talk today. There is kind of a Colts note discovered in the last 48 hours that uh, I've got an issue with. I don't think we've talked too much about this, and it honestly dates a little bit back to last year, but it's been such an alarming issue, particularly at home. And so uh, if we don't have time today to get to that, certainly want to touch on that tomorrow. So again, good Wednesday morning to you. Looks to be a gorgeous day and night for opening night for the Pacers as they get their season underway. 7 o'clock tip from Gamebridge Fieldhouse. I am Kevin Bowen. He is Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton on the ones and twos. Thank you for tuning into the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy right here on 93.5-1075 The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, KB, your morning check down. You know where we lead off. We have a World Series that is set. Arizona was down, what, three games to two. They come back. They win game six and game seven. In game seven last night in Philadelphia, 4-2, your final. Unbelievable. Here's the final call on ESPN Radio. Seawall, the 1-2. Swing and a high fly ball right field. Playable for Carroll near the line. Carroll under it. He's got it, and that does it. The Arizona Diamondbacks are going to the World (laughs) Series. The Cinderella run of the Arizona Diamondbacks continues. They're the National League champions, and they knock off the Phillies in seven. I believe I had this one with our preseason predictions. Look at you, Mark. (laughs) Can we jump in the pool in Arizona? I looked at the roster. I was like, did you really? Cattell Marte. Corbin Carroll. Longoria's got one more left in him. World Series written all over it. Tommy Pham. You're how, a big Tommy Pham guy. How about the road teams? The 84-win Diamondbacks winning game six and seven on the road. The 90-win Rangers winning game six and seven on the road. Both to punch their ticket to the World Series. Don't know if Major League Baseball loves it. Uh, but pretty impressive by both those teams and what they did on the road in coming oh, back from three no, th- two those boos. deficits. Those boos that that gives me life at the. I you know what I might just throw my coffee away at seven twenty five. I don't need it anymore after hearing those Philly fans be upset. Game one Friday for the World Series. It'll start in Texas. All right, last night in the NBA, boy, I thought that Trey Jackson Davis would actually be involved yeah. with the Warriors. Big goose egg for him on opening night in terms of minutes played. Uh, they went with. Kevin, uh, Kevon Looney, I should say, in the starting lineup. That was to be expected, but the only big guy that played off the bench for the Warriors was Dario Saric. I've never even looked at Saric as like a true big guy, but in true Golden State fashion, they went small. Uh, They lost to the Suns, by the way, 108-104. Devin Booker with 32. You did have Eric Gordon score 10. I totally forgot he was on the Suns until he checked in the game. He played 32 Uh, minutes. I would imagine that's because Beal was out last night, but still, he played 32 minutes. And he gunned, per usual, (laughs) as Eric Gordon does. Um, And then Denver, they rolled the Lakers 119-107 for the Lakers. They basically were good with LeBron on the floor and bad with him off the floor. Nikola Jokic 
in true MVP fashion, 29-13-11. So looks like the pizza and the beer served Nikola Jokic pretty well this offseason. Anthony Davis had 15 points in the first half, and it ended up with 17. He was terrible in the second half. I mean, eight rebounds in 34 minutes. That's not good enough. I think it was Reggie Miller was on the call, and he's like, this is... I mean, he had like 15 points and five rebounds like immediately and a couple assists, and Reggie goes, this is what I was talking about. Anthony Davis is going to... You know, this is a good start for his MVP race in the first half of the first game. He came out, scored one basket in the entire second half. It honestly had a little bit of like LeBron Cavs feel to it. And I know this Lakers team has more talent around him, but like literally when he went off the floor, it'd be like, oh, Denver's on a 6-0 run. You know, is Booby Gibson going to hit a three to stop this run here? George Hill. Joe gets another another triple-double. In a Cavs jersey. Uh, tonight, the Pacers, 7 o'clock. They take on the Wizards. Uh, what I see? Seven and a half points? Does that sound right? I believe so, yes. Seven uh, and a half points. Pull DraftKings, but that's what it was yesterday. Favorite again. The expected starting lineup for the Pacers. Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Matherin, Bruce Brown, and Obi Toppin. So a couple newcomers there. And Miles Turner. Sounds like a healthy bunch. Uh, Andy, a couple things that I'm looking forward to specifically to tonight. I assume Bruce Brown gets the Jordan Poole assignment. Is this kind of the start of, hey, top score on the other team? It's Bruce Brown's job. Does Benedict Matherin ever kind of switch on to him? Is that something they want to throw on the second-year player's plate? Uh, And then rotation-wise, you're going to have some notable guys not play. Just get ready for it. The question is, is one of those guys top 10 pick, Jairus Walker? I know Rick Carlisle spoke, you know, I'd say somewhat highly of him yesterday with us, but the actions have said Walker is currently out of the rotation based off what we saw in the preseason. Is that something that we see tonight? Uh, DraftKings has it at 7 right now. Pacers at 7 with an over-under of 235. And Jordan Poole's going to put up I kind I kind of think I like 40. I kind of think I like the Pacers and I think I might like the under there. I don't know, just because you can go, you know, you can go 110, 115 and you're still safe, right? You're still safe from the over. Betting Gosh, unders. Opening I'm, night. Yeah, betting unders. <laughs> Over yeah. unders already stressing me out. Uh, for those that missed it late last night, Jim Mercer, a couple of news items via Twitter. Uh, Anthony Richardson, successful right shoulder surgery yesterday in Los Angeles. Uh, no timetable from Ursay that he mentioned in that tweet. Uh, nothing out of the ordinary in terms of what they found in the surgery Ursay shared. Uh, and then the other item that he shared that the NFL, which I don't know if the NFL wants this public. Personally, I think some public accountability for the officials would be good. Uh, but Ursay said that the NFL told them that they got the calls wrong late in Sunday's loss to the Browns. And he also wants... What was the exact phrase? He wants the ability to challenge penalties in the last two minutes. Is that what he said? Yeah, I, I don't know. I want to get to this later. I actually don't think it's a terrible idea, but I would not have it just in the final two minutes of the game. I would have like a special uh, flag that you have like one of these a game. I don't think that's a bad idea. You can use it at any yeah, point. You, yeah, if you want to use it in the first quarter, if you if you have to. Now I can understand you may. I mean, you know, penalties they're not going to go to replay whether it's early in the game or late in the game, right? So there is, might be a phone call in the second quarter that matters. Is it, his exact wording was, I believe we need to institute instant replays for all calls, including penalties, in the last two minutes of all games. Now, is this, do you think this is something he means taking away flags, or does he mean you could throw a flag after going to review? See, I, I take mean, how many it times do you see a r- non a non-call? Flag? Well, I mean, it happened to them. It happened, what, uh, Zay Flowers in, what was it, EJ Speed in the Baltimore game? Right. 
obviously that worked out for the yeah, Colts. Well, I would say it would be taking away a flag. That's the Ooh, way boy, I read that's it. That's slippery. Now listen, I, listen if you're I John know. Harbaugh, you, you wanted the ability to throw a flag I in know. that overtime game. And then you get an overtime, you know, you, you just brought up, I think, a decent point. You you, you have the one special yeah, gold I mean, penalty flag you have a gold that flag. you throw once a game. Because, you know, to me, in two minutes and 15 seconds to go in the game, there could be a big fourth down that could decide the game, whereas, you know, obviously the two calls on Sunday both happened to be in the final, whatever it was, 25 seconds of that game. So, assault meet wounds, yeah. I guess, with Jim Irsay revealing. If, if people don't want to hear it from Irsay after their team just did what they did, well, probably. It, I but find I get this way it. with a two-minute report in the NBA. I kind of like to know the information, but then once I know it, I'm like, that sucks. It doesn't mean, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't mean, mean anything. anything. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It doesn't make you feel better. Like, you want it, but it makes you feel worse. Right. That's how I feel. It's like, don't look at it. Yeah. Stop, <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> you know you're going to look at it, though. Colts back to practice later today <laughs> with the New Orleans Saints coming to town on Sunday. All right, Pacers opening night. Let's dive deeper into that. Stephen Holder going to join us at 8 to talk some Colts. Chris Denary, voice, TV voice of the Pacers. What is this? You're 20-something or other for Chris Denary? Seems like that. Uh, he is going to join us at 9 o'clock. But on the other side, what should expectations be for the Pacers this season? We'll do that next. It's uh, the wake-up call. KB and Andy right here on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, opening night at GameBridge Pacers and Wizards. Our coverage here on the fan beginning at 6.30. Cannot wait. Uh, basically, KB and I have bets all over the board on the, on the Pacers. So we'll see what happens, whether they beat tonight or future bets. We got boosts. We got all sorts of things happening right now. So uh, a lot on the line. Before we get into Pacer talk, a little bit of Colts talk as well. Big game, obviously, at Lucas Oil on Sunday. I was just reading up uh, to see if... You know, Chris Olave got arrested, the uh, star wide receiver for the Saints, or he got pulled over, reckless driving, well, going 70 and a 35. We talked a little bit about that, uh, you know, Monday or Tuesday. Uh, I was reading up on it. He did drop the line, and I don't blame him because I would have done the same. He did drop the line to the police officer. I played for the Saints during his. Uh... <laughs> Didn't Jake Query do that at the NFL Combine last year, Mark, when he forgot his credential? Nah, don't you know who I am? I am in turn have you three. Seen my seats at the wow. Wow. Yeah. Plus five hundred. Wow. Okay, so he forgot it at at the, at the five hundred. No, he forgot the combine. At the combine. I think that was the day we had Grigson. Was it Grigson and Sirianni? It yes. might have been Grigson and Steichen. Was it Steichen? I think or? we had Ryan Grigson at eight <laughs> and Shane Steichen at nine. Sirianni, I think, I think we did earlier in the week. Sir, yeah, it was it was either Sirianni or Steichen. But yeah, I so remember. he had to go back home. He had to go and, all the way home. So the combine's over here at the convention oh, center. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. So he had to go back home. And he uh, called me. He's like, "What should I? What should I do?" I'm like, "I think you have to go and Kevin and I will hold down the fort while you go get your credentials." I think I saw Chris Ballard like right when he took uh, you know not too far after when he took over for the Colts. You know, this would have been a number of years ago because yeah, I because I, I covered the uh, the combine a number of years. People asked. You know the guys that are there for autographs outside, like the big media room. You know, you know the setup. Oh, yeah. I think someone asked him Chris Ballard for an autograph. I just remember thinking that was funny. 
He's going to a high school game when his son's playing and asks like, for an autograph. I just remember thinking that was funny. Like, ah. He's getting his hot dog and popcorn over the Westfield Shamrock. Yeah, like, I know, you're, I know autograph. you're Colts yeah, I don't know, fan, but GM, still. I don't know. It sounds a little so bit. So Jake couldn't even do, hey, I'm with, I'm no, with the fan. I'm, uh, did I'm Jake Cleary. They were, wow. they were, uh, They're very strict. They're hardcore. Uh, yes, Pacers get underway tonight. Pacers and Wizards, as Andy said. 7 o'clock tip over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Um, to me, I... I I feel like realistic expectations should be in that five, six seed range. You know, you you look at last season, Andy, and you won thirty five games, and you know Tyrese Halliburton missed twenty six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he missed a lot. And I was looking at it the other day because to me, I just remember it getting ugly quick when Halliburton was out. You know, he had that, I think it was an ankle injury in in New York, and you know, one point there, it was a little bit of like, hey, do you buy at the trade deadline? Like, have you all of a sudden changed expectations? They re-signed Turner in late January. That was obviously a big question entering the season. Um, the Pacers without Halliburton last year, they were 7-19. and 19. That obviously is not a good record. If you look at the 19 losses, Andy, 14 of them by double digits. Five of them by at least 20. It's a reminder of just how much he means to this franchise. And obviously you can look at that glass half full or glass half empty. Glass half full would say, that dude is a hell of a talent. And what a trade it was for the Pacers. And how vitally important it is to have a quarterback like that for your basketball team moving forward. A guy that can score, that can pass. I mean, every night, Andy, you pencil him in for 40 to 50 points based off scoring and assist. That is rare. That is not a given. There are, what, probably a handful of guys in the NBA that do that. Um, the glass half empty approach would be damn, when he goes off the floor, how's that going to look? You know, this is maybe a little premature to look ahead to, but, you know, come a playoff series, you think teams are going to be running two defenders to Tyrese Halliburton a whole sure. lot? Yeah. Sure. So I think yeah. that's where you look at a Benedict Mather and say, okay, can you be the same type of score with the starters that you were coming off the bench last season. The bench production was uh, really one of the more impressive rookie seasons this franchise has seen. Can you give that as the starters? Is Bruce Brown playing more of a number, I don't know, three or four option role? Is that something that he can handle? As a full-time starter, is Obi Toppin a flash in a pan like he was in New York when he started? You know, What does a contract year look like for him, can Buddy Heald be kind of that that six man score that I think you expect him to be? So um, I think those are obviously some storylines. And then just does anyone want to guard on the perimeter? Because perimeter defense has been so so bad for this team. Bruce Brown, of course, a big big part of that. Uh, those are a few items that I'll be looking. You know, to. there there are a few things, KB, that kind of remind me as the Pacers get ready to go tonight. Again, our coverage at six thirty here on the Fan. You know, the things you know you mentioned. When we were talking about Anthony Richardson, let's go back to the Colts and I'll, and I'll bring it all together. The other side of this was, remember we talked about before the season, I think we've talked about it since, you know, like the offensive line, right? Like what else do you have around Anthony Richardson? I think Juju Brents was a part of this. He gets injured. I know he didn't play uh, early season because he's had some injury issues, but if he kept playing here, if he can get back in a couple weeks, whatever it is, and you feel good about Juju Brents, you're starting to feel good about 
pieces of your offensive line. You have to feel really good signing Jonathan Taylor and Josh Downs on that rookie contract deal. You have to feel really good about him. And so you start to pencil things in. And that's what Halliburton is with the Pacers. He's the ultimate. I'm going to pencil you in. Uh, We know your stats are going to be there, right? Uh, And that is so valuable when you fill out Uh, the rest of the team. The other things for me, if you go back to last year, you know, this team was under 500 at home. And I know it was only 20 and 21, but the Colts stink at home too. (laughs) Yeah, one and eight in their last nine. Someone's going to have to start winning some damn home games around (laughs) here, okay? I'm not usually... JMV is much more of the must-win guy. I feel like for City Vibes, we need a Pacers convincing victory tonight. Like I, yeah, I, I know yeah. that sounds a little crazy to say, but like think about how the last seven to ten days have gone. One oh nine, one oh nine to ninety, or something like that. How do we lead off the show? How did the Pacer? <laughs> you know, the Pacers haven't been in the playoffs in a few years. Haven't won a playoff game in six years. If you're a fan of IU basketball, if you're a fan of Purdue basketball, you don't like how last season ended. Purdue much more of a kick in the you know what than Indiana, but still Indiana, you know, getting run off the floor by Miami in that second round matchup. Like, it's time to have kind of the feel-good winning. I mean, if you just go back a decade ago, Andy, we were used to the Pacers and the Colts' annual playoff trips. Right. And I think it's, you know, for our own fandom in this market, that's being selfish. But for the franchise, it's time to feel winning. Like, And I think you can marry the both of them together of... This era needs to feel some winning. Rick Carlisle hasn't won a playoff series in over a decade. You know, it's time to kind of get back to that. But at the same time, you can still sit here and say, I don't think this is like all in. This is all of a sudden, if you don't win this year, Carlisle's gone. Halliburton's going to be the first right. one out of town. Yeah, blow like, things like, up, like, make yeah. some trades, be no, no, sellers. No, you, you right. are, you, I think you're in kind of the first real year of the winning and now the rebuild has a lot of pieces that you think will continue to be there in place. It's not done by any means. I still think you have the ability to take one really big swing here in the next, whatever, 12 to 24 months. But you have enough in place right now to be a team that is playing in the playoffs and not just to play in come April. I know you wanted to play this clip. Tyrese Halliburton uh, yesterday talking about overall the expectations, and I love that there are expectations here going into this season. I'm excited about having some expectations. I guess I've never had a t- been on a team before that's had real expectations, and although I don't know what they are from <laughs> from people, I do think that some people believe that we, are, we have a chance to be a playoff team, whereas... Last year, that would have never been a conversation. So, um, you know, to have that be talked about, I think, is interesting. But uh, just looking forward to another year of building. I love that quote from Halliburton. It's almost a shocking quote when you hear him describe it. But he's right. If you look back um, on his career, not only here in Indiana, go back to Sacramento, even go back to Iowa State, Andy, he has not been on a team with a better record than eight games under 500 since his freshman year at Iowa State. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Like they haven't even sniffed 500. It's unbelievable. And, and I want to make this clear. I don't think this is some sort of like indication on Tyrese Halliburton as a player because if you look at it, really the 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 one big season he's had as the lead guy was last year, and the Pacers were easily over 500 with him 
in the lineup. They obviously struggled when he was out of the lineup, but like he needs to feel what that is. Buddy Heald, if he's going to be part of this team moving forward, he hasn't played in a playoff game in all of these years. You know, you hope the injection of Bruce Brown brings some of that winning pedigree, some of that championship pedigree. It's been a while since Miles Turner has experienced a playoff game. You know, it's not like Obi Toppin had a big role with the Knicks, even when they have done a little bit of winning here as of late. So, um, I like that Halliburton is embracing that. Um, I think his comments are very accurate. This time last year, we would not have even sniffed the playoff talk. This year, to me, on, you know, whatever, 12 hours away from the season getting underway, it's deserved. And it's a credit to the Pacers for bringing those expectations onto themselves, but also... Uh, it's a little bit more of a bullseye. And now I think the franchise needs to deliver because uh, the old feel-good, entertaining loss, where are you in the top 10 of the lottery? No, I'm not going to have that discussion this year. No, Okay, so what's been difficult about the Colts, and and again, I'm equating the two here, is there were expectations, KB, but were there really, right? It's why the team could start out the way that it did, and it was a surprise to a lot of fans. Like That's the way that I view all of this, that everything, we've had to change, and we might have to change. Listen, if they go lose to the Saints, we're going to have to change again. Everything's been about Anthony Richardson. There was no set uh, win-loss. There was no set expectation other than, quite frankly, a quarterback, a coach, and a few other individual players. That, that's that's right. I mean, I'm not wrong there. That, I mean, everyone thought they are going to win three to three, four, five games. You had them at six or seven, and you were on the high side. So there was never this push that, that every single game, the actual win-loss mattered. And I thought you saw... That first Jacksonville game, a little moral victory. This is what I love about the Pacers season. Is yes, we are not expecting them to be Boston or Milwaukee or Phoenix or even you know or the Lakers. We're not expecting that or the Nuggets. We're not expecting that. But what we are expecting is for them to be a playoff team. Uh, I am a little loftier than most. I am with you in being a top six seed. And when you look at teams whether it be Chicago, Toronto, perhaps Atlanta. The other thing is being better than some of these teams. You're going to have to have a better record yeah, those were the than some of teams these teams. Last year. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and I left Miami off that list because I, I believe in kind of like the Miami way. They can win 42 games and still make a run. You know, that's just what Miami is. Now, that may run out. That luck may have finally run out with them. But, I mean, to me, it is pretty clear cut what the Pacers need to be and what they need not be this season. And that's that's going to be easier to talk about them than it has been with the Colts because the Colts have had a bunch of yeah buts, right? Well, it's a new coach. It's a new quarterback. it's a, Now it's an injured quarterback, and it's Gardner Minshew, and it's this and it's that. And it, it, it's, it's hard to lock them down, right? It's hard to lock them down. The Pacers are not that. We expect them to be a playoff team. Me and you expect them to be a higher seed maybe than others. And when you look at some of these other teams that are right around them, uh, you know, we're expecting them to be better. I mean, you know, tonight they're a seven, seven and a half point favorite. You know, Washington had the exact same record as them last year, KB. <laughs> I mean, that shows how much better the Pacers have got and how much maybe Washington uh, has tore down as well. But passing these teams, uh, I mean, there's there's legit expectations on this team, which is fantastic, by the way. Uh, bet is locked in. I okay, just put what it do down. Do? Pacers plus 45 wins. 
Okay. So so 45 would, would not 45, win. No, 45 plus. I 45 say. plus. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. There we go. Uh, I got plus 320 on those odds. So that would be three. You know, So 45 three and 37 change. is what you're thinking. That's where I'm going with this. Okay. I, I need Halliburton to stay healthy. Well, I, I mean, this is the only thing, and you've talked about it with the Pacers, is they have one of these guys that can carry. I know. They don't have a second yeah, guy is, that it, can carry. And I mean, not everybody does, but the good teams do, obviously. And that's why, to me, the Matherin second-year experience is going to be so fascinating to watch. Andy, for you, you obviously are unfamiliar with this. My infatuation with Benedict Matherin <laughs> is, was and is through the roof. Uh, build the statue it was a common phrase that I would echo last season um, leading into that's who I wanted the Pacers draft you know again he had a really promising rookie year but now the question is are you really real you know are you you know he talks about being a Jimmy Butler he talks about being a two-way guy the Pacers want him to be a little bit of an assist guy you know sometimes he puts that head down and attacks the rim, and it's like, yep, you ain't seeing that ball if you're one of the other four guys on the Pacers What does team. he need to be for you? I mean, to is, me, it, is it a number thing? Is it he needs yeah. to be a clear-cut starter where it's not wishy-washy? What is it with you? Yeah, again, a 16-point guy sprinkling in a couple of assists a game. The turnover rate is not that, that high. And then on the other end of the floor, he's too athletic, too wired to not be a capable defender. So that one is a little bit more gray area, but offensively. Um, you know, be a plus 15-point guy a game. But I think more than anything, when he drives on the scouting report, Andy, it says the dude's a driver and you better collapse on him when he drives. Okay, when two or three guys are around you, make the right read. And I thought there were some moments in the preseason he did that. Um, but again, to take a very scoring-charged human, I mean, he is wired to score, and he can do that. And to tell him hey, don't go full pedal to the metal, ease up a little bit when you get in the lane, make the extra pass. I'm curious. Very curious to see how that is going to so this go. Is, this, is your, this is your love interest here on the basketball floor. Mark, is this what you guys had to deal with oh, yeah. last year? Oh, yeah. yeah. Benedict okay. was one of the names on the birth certificate for Max, and, mm-hmm. and Maddie erased it. Hey, what's good, Kevin? Thank you for your support. <laughs> Harry, you're a big fan of the Pacers. Um, I'm here, you know, supporting you. You support me. I forgot me. about this. And I'm really excited. You know, I'm really excited for the season and uh, looking forward to do some damage and get some wins. Let's go. I'm convinced that they thought that that was like a 10-year-old boy. Yeah. And like, yeah. Oh, can you write a message, yeah, Kevin? Second Not- grader here over at IPS School 72. <laughs> Little Kevin. Not mid-30s uh-huh. Kevin Bowen radio host. Yeah. Am I embarrassed by that? What, Am I, I blushing? What are those called again, Those the, the voicemails that people used to do? Uh, is that That's what it was, Cameos? Right? Uh, it was a cameo, was it not? No, no it was just no. Was they just did. the Pacers PR. Yeah, oh, the Pacers PR Pacers did that. Do it, yeah. <laughs> I thought you guys. Yeah, paid. I had a month nope. run there where there was like, is wow, there, is there going to be a restraining order? <laughs> I, I mean, they, there were multiple months to be clear on it. I just love, I, I love how he plays the game. I love how he's wired. I think this team needs a little bit of an edge, and, and I think he brings that. And I like how him and Halliburton are different personalities. To me, I think that's important to keep guys. Um, you know, wired the right way. And, and Halliburton, I think, he just gets it. Halliburton just gets the responsibilities that he has. He wants to be in the Midwest. Uh, boy, that was such a brilliant trade by Kevin Pritchard. So, more Pacers conversation upcoming, 9 o'clock hour. Kristen Airy, TV voice, will join us. We'll chat about that. On the other side, Stephen Holder. Some uh, Jim Ursay news late last night. We'll share that with you. Get Stephen's thoughts. Uh, any trade deadline opinion for Stephen coming up? 
six days away from that and the Michael Pittman comments justified from the Colts' number one wideout. We'll chat with Steven about that on the other side. This is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Yes, Wednesday. Reminder, Pacers-Wizards, that coverage beginning at... Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 30 tonight. Cannot wait for that. Pacers underway. KB has a 45 wins and over bet. So he's all in, baby, which I love. We'll be analyzing uh, the entire Pacers season through the eyes of Kevin Bowen and his 45 <laughs> win bet coming up. You know, when you uh, say here. that number, last year when I just <laughs> needed 30, it sounded so much more attainable. But I, I mean, do the math. What's 45? I mean, that, oh, don't make me do math on the spot, please. I, I don't need I just need a little bit over 500, right? Yeah, 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 a little bit over five. You need four games over 500 to be exact. I can do that math. Win percentage? So I can do that math. Every 10 games, win six of them? Yeah, you can do that. There you go. Does no one get injured? Let's get Stephen Holder in here. Uh, he joins us every Wednesday in the 8 o'clock hour. ESPN.com follows the Colts there. Uh, we're making our final bets before the Pacers season. That's what we're doing, Stephen. Good morning. How are you? I'm um, good. Um, so you're going to put me on the spot right away, I see. No, no, no I'm saying we are making our bets. That's what I would say I, I me know. and KB are doing that right now. But, you know, season's underway no, here in under 12 hours. A, that is an interesting exercise, though. I, I don't have anything for you, but I actually uh, am interested to see what other people think. Yeah, Steven uh, has been in the monitor and Jim Irsay's late night news <laughs> items. We got a couple of more last night from the Colts owner. Let's start there, Steven. Uh, I guess just go in chronological order with what Jim Irsay said late last night. Uh, In summary, uh, the first part of his tweet, Anthony Richardson had successful surgery yesterday in Los Angeles. No timetable for his return. And you added something last night on who the surgeon was. Care to share some of that info? Yeah, uh, it's uh, Dr. Neil Elatrosh, I I think is his pronunciation. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Anyhow, he is like the elite of the elite, okay? This guy, he, he recently did Aaron Rodgers' Achilles tendon. Uh, he he did Kobe Bryant's, uh, the late Kobe Bryant, when he uh, tore his Achilles. Uh, he has done, I believe, Joe Burrow's knee. This guy is basically the, the surgeon that the most elite athletes go to. Um, so if your quarterback gets hurt, you go to this guy. Um, and yeah, he's the best. And and so what I and he's got kind of a shoulder background, right? Yeah, he has done a lot of baseball guys. Um, I think he has done even um, um, uh, Otani, and I can't remember who else, but he's done a lot of baseball guys uh, that that I know of. So anyway, and my understanding is when they went in there, uh, they were very pleased from everything I heard, and. Didn't see any damage. The labrum's in good shape. Everything in there is in good shape. Even the uh, the, uh, the 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 tendons and ligaments. Uh, well, while I assume there was some damage there, uh, there wasn't anything that was unexpected by them. So yeah, everything seems uh, to be. Ex- yeah, I guess best case scenario for this kind of injury. 
And and obviously, you know, rehab is rehab, and and you can't always predict how that goes because every athlete is different. But but it really does seem to be a best case scenario right now. And then the other part of Jim Irsay's tweet from last night was in relation to the uh, end of the game on Sunday, uh, and I'll just read that verbatim. Again, Ursay's tweet. The NFL admits and understands they did not make the correct calls at end of Sunday's Colts-Browns game. I believe we need to institute instant replay for all calls, including penalties, in the last two minutes of games. Um, you got to love Ursay, Stephen. Love it. Oh, my God. I was thinking this is almost like this is almost like you get in a fight with your wife and then you know, she comes out and makes an announcement like Kevin admits and understands that he was wrong, <laughs> <laughs> and he'll never do that again. Yeah, sends that to her friends. Yeah, I'm probably, she probably has oh, done that before. Man. But yeah, uh, I, I, again, part of me is like I, I, I wouldn't mind a little bit more public accountability from the NFL sure. with. With officials, yeah, at the end of the day, it's just salt meat wounds, and it doesn't probably make you feel any better about Sunday. I, I, I do think that is something the NFL could explore, particularly with gambling. I mean, the NBA does it. The NFL does list the officials like on the box score. So um, I do think that's something that they could do. I, I personally see little, little leverage to all of a sudden getting you know replay for all calls happening especially the final two minutes i think there's so much gray area do you only do that for picking up flags you do you do that for yeah. calling flags yeah i i just don't see that happening yeah so uh, so both points i agree with you number one i i i don't think the nfl will well let me rephrase that i i agree that there's not much benefit to to rehashing some of this stuff i mean the nba does do it and maybe it it, it it makes people feel better about the arguments they were making the night before, screaming at their TV, which is, I guess, okay. But it doesn't change anything in the grand scheme, and it probably just leaves you more pissed off. So it accomplishes nothing. Uh, <laughs> I think you know, all you can do is just strive to get it right in the first place and, and then just go from there. Now, as for the other point about uh, challenging or, or making all uh, penalties reviewable, I would argue, I could be wrong, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I would argue that's never going to happen. And the reason is, okay, in, in a catch scenario or if a guy's inbounds or out of bounds, right, I mean, those are things that we can clearly define on replay. The problem is penalties, a lot of them are judgment calls. Holding is a judgment call. Right. You know, interference is a judgment call. A lot of this stuff, it really boils down to interpretation. It's not black and white. And so how do you find incontrovertible evidence of that on video? How the hell do you do that when there's really no true metric for some of this? I'll give you an example. Uh, The the ball that was thrown um, on the, the pass interference play, that is a play where and when the ball is uncatchable, I mean, I actually went and looked this up, looked up the NFL rule. There's no true definition of what catchable is. Now, I'm not suggesting that that was a catchable ball. I'm not. I'm just saying it's in the eye of the beholder, right? So, so how do you measure that? You know, from a from a replay perspective, how do you go back and and determine that and say, all right, this is this is irreversible. Um, or inarguable video evidence. I, I don't know how you do that. And so I just think it's a can of worms that's not going to to open. I mean, we went down this road a little bit 
with pass interference a couple of years ago after the NFC Championship game with the Saints and the Rams. And what happened? It was a sham. It was a sham. Right. (laughs) Nightmare. That was a temporary experiment, and the NFL very quickly said, oh, not no, but hell no, we're not doing this anymore. So I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I would agree. Stephen Holder with us. Pay Less Liquors Hotline. Follows the Coles for ESPN.com. Listen, before we go forward to the Saints and we can go to Michael Pittman's comments and Minshew's turnovers and so, you know, the importance of the game in Lucas Oil against New Orleans on Sunday, how much of the game against Cleveland did you think the Colts were going to kind of hang on to that game? And I guess, just what did you make of it? We've talked about the officiating, the Minshew turnovers. Jonathan Taylor kind of looked back to his old self, uh, all the freak show things that Miles Garrett did, uh, quite the game and a chance to win, and then P.J. Walker goes 80 yards at the end of the game. A lot went into that game, and I left that game feeling pretty empty because I thought the Colts were going to win for large parts of it. It's one of those games where it's very strange. I talked to a lot of players in the locker room, and and they all agreed, and and for the most part, I mean, everybody or, or very a great many of their players had great games. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you look around that locker room and how many of those guys went out there and just played their tails off. I, you know, I went, I was talking to Kenny Moore and next to him is Julian Blackman. Then, you know, right down the row is, um, you know, a couple other guys. And Dio Dengo was across the way. I'm like, wow, that guy had a great game. It's like the Forrest Buckner, he had a great game. You know, there's Jonathan Taylor. He had a great game. <laughs> it's like, well, how'd they lose this game? And that's just a disappointing thing. I mean, that was true for, for both teams. You know, there, there were guys on both sides, a lot of guys on both sides that just made a ton of plays. I mean, that's how you get a, a 39-38 game to begin with. And it's about, you know, a couple of things. Obviously, the call's not going their way, but also just, you know, not getting a couple of bounces. I mean, that the big play that that was given up the big completion that was given up to get Cleveland you know down in scoring position that was a huge play I mean Daryl Baker on that play tries to make a play on the ball and and just kind of misses it over his outstretched arm you know it, it is a game of inches we say this all the time and those two calls while massive no question about it uh there were also lots of other little twists and turns you know, that, that did ultimately lead to that result. And I, I will be remiss if I don't mention this. I mean, I think the final sequences in the second quarter were huge, mm-hmm. absolutely huge. And I, I just I have to say, and Shane Steichen kind of owned this already, he screwed up. He just did. He screwed up on the, both those sequences. The field goal attempt, uh, not wise from 60 yards in that situation, given what could go wrong, and then – trying to get aggressive with Gardner Minshew and his ball security issues backed up to your own end zone with just a, a minute or so before the half. Yeah, brilliant offensively, Shane, on Sunday, but uh, awful in, in game management and costing you 10 points there late in that first half. Yeah. Again, Stephen Holder with us here from ESPN. Stephen shifting gears to Michael Pittman's comments. It does seem like in the last couple of weeks, whether it was Pittman talking about Jonathan Taylor's contract or his frustration after the game Sunday, it's a little bit of a different tone from Pittman. Um, you know, curious if some of that is contract year, if, is some of that just kind of building frustration that's happened over the last couple of seasons with you know heavy quarterback turnover, certainly more losses than, than wins, things like that. Um, what did you make of Pittman's um, comments on Sunday about wanting the ball more? Uh, I'm not sure. I was... 
I, I mean, I, I guess I was a little surprised just because of the timing of it. Uh, but I, I wasn't surprised, I would say, that he did it at all. Uh, I mean, you know, I think if you if you talk to Michael Pittman on a regular basis, and <laughs> I'm starting to really enjoy my conversations with Michael Pittman. He is, he is refreshingly honest. And you kind of always know where he stands. Now, I'm not talking about necessarily on, on the record. Now, a lot of this is not, is just conversation and, and not just, you know, interviews. And I think it, it pays to have those conversations with players sometimes because you, you sometimes understand the context of the things they do say on the record, you know, when you have other conversations. But anyhow, uh, he is, first of all, he's hyper aware of his situation. Uh, you know, just in general, like he understands the business of football. He understands his situation, the contract stuff. He's hyper aware of all of that. Uh, he he also is very in tune with what's happening with the team and, and what has happened over the years. He's very honest about that. The, the quarterback situations that he has kind of been a victim of uh, that has not played well with him, <laughs> as you can imagine. And he's very honest that, yeah, it has been. Uh, tough for him and he has had to overcome that i know that when anthony richardson went down michael Pittman took that pretty hard you know because he he thought that that would impact him directly you know and i think they were really developing um you know a connection it's very clear they were developing something between the two of them and richardson that's his go-to guy there's no doubt about that now certainly josh downs too but when he's in trouble, he's looking for Michael Pittman. I think we have been able to already see that in the little time that Anthony Richardson has played. So he did have concerns about how it might have impacted him. Now, he wasn't like necessarily pissed off about it or you know going to throw in the towel. You, know, you might recall a few years ago when Andrew Luck uh, retired, <laughs> Eric Ebron took a very different approach. He suddenly got an ankle injury. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> He's not going to do that, <laughs> but I do think he, he's very aware of how this affects him, and uh, you know I do think he's he's kind of been through a lot. So I, I would say this: I don't think it's going to be a problem. Uh, Michael Pittman's a businessman; he's going to go out there, he's going to play hard, and you know, regardless of the situation. Look, if he did it last year, he's certainly going to do it this year. So I don't worry about that. But it just is a window into maybe some of the the frustration and ups and downs that he's had to deal with, which is real. Yeah, it was a brutal loss on Sunday. There's no doubt about it. That factors into it. Stephen Holder with us, ESPN.com here on the fan. Pay less liquors hotline. You know, Minshew, seven turnovers the last two games. That goes to 37 points. And boy, you sure saw short fields. Basically, you know, you get the, the strip sack, but also just set up to where the Browns could do nothing for three plays and kick a field goal on fourth down a couple times. Minshew and the turnovers, is that something that is fixable, do you think? Man, I sure hope so. I, I've been thinking a lot about this, and I've asked a lot of people about it. I, I, I think the answer is he he's got to just get rid of the ball. I mean, when he holds it, he opens himself up to these situations where where he can, you know, where the pass rush can get to you. The problem is there are going to be situations where you do have to hold the football. You know, and I would I'd say this. I guess. The fumbles are preferable to interceptions because, and here's why: because with interceptions, then I start to worry. Okay, are you just making bad decisions? Are you inaccurate, etc.? The fumbles really are a function of 
if you get rid of the ball, then you know there. Then you don't have it when the defense uh, converges on you, and, and maybe you can avoid them. So I, I, I guess I would say the fumbles are more avoidable because if you had a history of of interceptions, which which he does not, if you had a long history of interceptions, then I start to think, well, that's who you are. So his issue has been fumbles. So that is a little more avoidable, but at the same time. There's a track record there, too. So I don't know. Uh, I don't feel great about it. I mean, I'm not saying he's Matt Ryan, but we saw the impact those those fumbles could have last year. And, you know, even though the defense was playing well at times early last season and all that, none of it mattered because of the turnovers. I mean, it's it's a little bit of shades of that right now. And, hmm. and they're, they're a better team, better record and all that. But, but the impact's the same. Stephen, last one for me. And again, Stephen Holder, ESPN, with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Six days away from the trade deadline. We saw Tennessee, uh, I guess, get things started, if you will, earlier this week, trading away one of their veteran defenders. Um, you know, that's not the most shocking thing in the world when you consider where Tennessee's at, especially consider they have a new GM. Um, how do you think the Colts will handle the next six days in terms of the trade deadline? Obviously, they haven't been a very active trade deadline team in the Chris Ballard era, uh, but certainly last year they uh, did have that move with Naheem Hines for Zach Moss in the fifth rounder that turned into Will Mallory. Yeah, first off, I'll, I would say I think with with Tennessee, I, I think it's important to, to mention that because you know they're they're obviously very uh, relevant for us. I, I think that might be the start of something. I'm not saying it's going to happen at the trade deadline, but like, is that a re- to me? I wonder is that a recognition and finally a recognition that they have to reset this thing. You know, and maybe trading Kevin Bayard is not that big a deal in the grand scheme, but uh, it's a big step, maybe potentially toward what they have to do. I think so. We'll see. For the Colts, uh, I don't know. I the, the Naheem Hines trade, while that's a that's an example, it's not really something where they have a track record. I mean, the one thing I'd say the, the Hines trade was was one where he wanted out, and it was kind of a. Um, you know, a, a good move for everybody involved. I don't think this is what that is. I don't think that's what this is, uh, where they have some, some burning need to move somebody or they have a burning desire to acquire a particular player. I, I mean, if there's someone out there cheap, particularly at a position of need, like a corner or something like that, who can help them, um, they have to consider that. But I don't see them moving anyone uh, that I you know that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, I don't anticipate that, and I think for the Colts, you know, the way tr- Chris Ballard treats his draft picks, I mean, he just doesn't give them away. So I, I don't know. It would have to be a really, uh, a really good deal for him, and, and something that's a little bit longer term, not short term. I mean, going and getting a guy whose contract is up at the end of the year, I don't know who that would be. I'm just saying, generally speaking, going and getting a guy whose contract is up at the end of the year, I don't see where that helps you or, or where that falls in line with Chris Ballard's. Um, you know, sort of way of doing business either. So I, I would be surprised. You know, I don't think it's like as black and white, Stephen, as you buy or you sell. Like, obviously, you're trying to do a little bit yeah. of both in all likelihood. And, and I kind of view it like this. You know, last year, I don't think any of us expected Bobby O'Karake to be re-signed. 
Bobby O'Karake ended up walking to free agency, and yeah. because of the comp pick formula, you don't get anything in return for him. I mean, you signed Samson Ebicom, you signed Matt Gay, and how the formula works. He ended yeah. up walking, and you got nothing in return. So I am curious, like, if there are any 2024 free agents, and, and to be fair, none jump off the page, but, you know, obviously you have Pittman, Zach Moss, Julian Blackman, Grover Stewart, Kenny Moore. You know, that those are probably the, the biggest names on that list. If you sit here right now and say, we don't think they're part of our 2024 plans and beyond. Do you try and move them? I don't think that's, I mean, it hasn't been Ballard's MO and I'm, right. I don't think it would be maybe with a first year head coach. Cause I think he wants to instill more of a, we're not selling type of culture, but I just feel like that's an avenue to explore because if you get a pick in return and now all of a sudden that pick down the road is in a trade package for a big time whiteout, you've done, you've done a good job in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the one guy whose name I've thrown out there, and this is not a report, this is not a suggestion, this is nothing <laughs> of the sort. It, it's just along the lines of what you said. The guy who who kind of meets that standard that you laid out and, and, and for whom you have someone behind him would be Julian Blackman. Right. Because of Nick Cross. Mm-hmm. And so I have heard nothing about this, okay, to be clear. But it, I'm just saying, if we're if we're trying to profile and trying to find right. uh, someone that makes sense, he could be. You know, whether whether he has value out there is what I don't know. How do other teams see him? I think he's having a great season, uh, and I think he's a versatile player. Uh, he's he's certainly cheap. You know, as his contract's expiring, if you have a thin secondary out there, and I, I think the Colts have a thin cornerback room, but at safety they actually have three very viable players. So, I don't know. That would be interesting. That's the kind of scenario I think you're talking about. I think, A, you have to have a guy who who is in a transitional time, you know, like an expiring contract, and you've got to have some depth behind right. him, too. And, and you have that linebacker with EJ Speed, you know, and, 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 and Bobby. Obviously, Bobby, you let him walk. Boom, EJ Speed climbs into a bigger role. And, and certainly yeah. the emergence of Zaire Franklin helped as well. And, and I don't think, outside of safety, I don't think there are very, if any, spots on the roster that you have that of expiring contract. Young guy that, I say this in quotes, you know, you're maybe stunting mm-hmm. the opportunity just with his lack of playing time. Uh, all right, Stephen, as always, great, great. Great stuff. Uh, we'll see you uh, later today out of Colts practice. Okay, guys. See you soon. Stephen Holder, Payless Liquors Hotline. Okay, Rick went from uh, one four-win team to another. <laughs> <laughs> but he's played all right, right? I know he's been he's been very good. Yeah. And no, it's he, him and Micah McFadden, uh, correct? Yeah, the yeah, IU let's, product? Let's maybe not talk about the second one. I mean, you know. I mean, McFadden's fine. If he were a backup, fifth round pick? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I like Okereke. He's he's a good player. He's we'll a get solid more. Guy. I think trade deadline chatter as the next again six days unfold. Uh, Tuesday at four o'clock, Halloween Tuesday. That is the deadline. One thing we didn't have time to get to is Stephen, but I did want to mention here again. Juju Brents. It sounds like he's going to miss a little bit of time. I know this gets a little bit into the intricacies of you know defensive personnel and you know packages on the field, et cetera, et cetera. I almost think. Based off what the Colts have at linebacker, what they don't have at corner, I know this is a bit of an ancient sort of thought. Andy, I think they should play a little bit more base defense Mm. here moving forward. Now, that would mean just two corners on the field, three linebackers. To me, it is a little bit more of this is your best 11 right Right, now. you got to play to your strength at some point. That would mean Kenny Moore outside. That would mean Jalen Jones opposite him. But if Juju Brents is going to miss several weeks, are you trusting Daryl Baker Jr.? 
Like, I, I don't listen. I'm shaking my head, which is not good for radio. Like, it's fine I think for the EJ YouTube Speed audience. needs to be on the field more. Yeah, I, I agree. Thirty with snaps you. for EJ Speed. I get that there will be some moments in games where the Saints will counter and say, "Hey, we're putting three wideouts right. out he here." He can't play 35, 40 percent of the snaps. But to me, right now, with where you're at at corner, with how the linebackers have played, Shaq Leonard, I think, has had better performances each of the last couple of weeks. I think that is something you should explore. Now, Gus Bradley did say yesterday they thought about. Again, Kenny a little bit more outside. It doesn't sound like that's the path that they're going to go down. So we'll see if that means more Tony Brown, if Daryl Baker Jr. somehow keeps his job again. They made a waiver claim for a guy by the name of Amir Speed late last week. No relation to EJ, at least I don't think so. Uh, He was the six-round pick of the Patriots. Just kind of a big, long, fast dude that people worry about. Can he play football? Well, of course he's fast. His last name's Speed. Oh, uh, obviously. I mean, it goes without saying. By the way, this doctor, is it El, El, El Trache? El, the, El Trache? Is that how you say it? The first three to four letters intimidated me so much, <laughs> I didn't even say it to Steven. No. I wanted him to say it. No, yeah, I was... I figured Dr. he e? would know. I figured he would know, so I just looked him up. He did Kobe Bryant's Achilles. He also has performed operations on Tom Brady, Zach Granke, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Charlize Theron, and and Ringo Starr. Wow. He also worked on Joe Burrow's torn ACL MCL, Saquon Barkley's torn ACL, Chris Sale's Tommy John, and Kelsey Plum's torn Achilles. That's all since just 2020. So there might be more on the list, but there you go. Is this the new Dr. James Andrews? I know. Can you imagine? Hey, what's going on? (laughs) Dr. Phil, what are you doing here? It's Saquon Barkley sitting next to Ringo Star. Yeah, did he do Tiger and Tiger get in a car wreck out there? I'm sure he did. John McEnroe, what are you doing? Who's Tiger dating these days? You're a big Tiger guy. I kind of like single Tiger better. Do you? You like him on the prowl? Is that what you're saying? Uh I feel like if he's on the hunt off the course, he'll maybe be on the hunt on the course. I I think he's always on the hunt, on the prowl off the course. For like a a couple of leaked Tiger videos, not, not. Not behind closed doors, but on a driving range here soon. I feel like we are due for a tiger. Well, he and Rory have that golf course deal going on, don't they? That indoor golf course. Well, yeah, they're starting that that in January on Monday nights. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I don't, I don't. um, It's better than nothing, I guess. I don't know if I'm a big fan of that. But yeah, Yeah, he worked on uh, Otani. You might be working on Otani again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nick brings up, uh, what about Kenny Moore outside Julian Blackman in the nickel? Nick Cross at safety. That kind of goes to Stephen Holder's point. Julian Blackman's been a versatile guy. He has played some nickel. It's a good point by Nick. That would get Nick Cross on the field. But again, it doesn't sound like they're going to do that, but that would be an avenue to try and explore on that end. All right. uh, Morning check down time. The morning check down. Omaha! Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. All right, we'll get to baseball here in just a second, but Pacers in action tonight. It's Pacers-Wizards. Our coverage on The Fan beginning at 6.30. We have a bunch of Pacers sound. We need to play it. Tyrese Halliburton yesterday talking about their opponent tonight in Washington. Two teams that like to get up and down and play in transition, and that's going to be a game that... You know, it's like watching a tennis game, just up and down, up and down. That's that's exciting. I think that brand of basketball fits what we want to play and fits what they want to play. So um, that'll make it a fun fun game for everybody. Washington stinks. Hey, can we just be honest? I mean, I mean, I'm taking they, Pacers in seven. They yeah. stink. Uh, Jordan Poole, <laughs> chuck it 30 times. Kyle Kuzma, chuck it 30 times. And after that, they're a bunch of seventh men. Oh. Mark saved this at 827 just in case. I just, just in case the unthinkable happens I'm at just, Gamebridge. Uh, 
It would be a I'm disappointing loss. They stink. No, they stink. They stink. Kulabai, is he going to play? They're 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 a completely the re- is he a Pacers draft. They're a rebuilding team who you know who got rid of their superstar and got Jordan Poole, who I do like back. Again, we went through this exercise yesterday. <laughs> Could you name the? I said no. it yesterday. Can you name the Wizards head coach? Again, I love that Rick Carlisle. Wes Unsell Jr. Yes. Right? Yeah. I love that Rick Carlisle is joining us every Tuesday. He did talk about Mike Muscala yesterday, like he was Larry Bird. <laughs> Did he not? Yeah, mm-hmm. well, that's his job. Mike Mike Muscala, <laughs> the pride of Bucknell. I'm that's like, at that's right like now. 10 like a, years in the league for Mike Muscala. You're not going to get a head coach to diss their <laughs> opponent. Know, that's like I, a surgeon I, saying, well, I really botched that surgery. Like we didn't, No one ever says that. <laughs> yeah. It's always successful. I know. I know. Pacers, uh, nothing Thursday, nothing Friday at Cleveland on Saturday. Last night in the end. Well, actually, let's go over to Major League Baseball. He did have a Game 7 last night. And how about the feel-good story of Mark's Arizona uh-huh. Diamondbacks? They win Game 6 in Philly. They win win game seven in Philly and their 84 win bunch is now the NL representative in the World Series Um, boy I do love watching game seven just like the anticipation with every pitch the Philly crowd was outstanding as you would expect last night so much anticipation throughout that game Uh, obviously the various pitching matchups when's Wheeler going to go in the game those sorts of things Uh, and pretty crazy to look at the ALCS and have the Rangers win on the road game six and seven and the NLCS Yes, Arizona does the same. So Friday, World Series Game 1. Not sure how much Major League Baseball loves it, uh, but two very entertaining Championship League Series with Texas and Arizona in the World Series. Let me ask you this. Would you rather a team that you hate, would you rather their team stink, or would you you rather their team be a damn good team and get right to the precipice and fail? Like, so for me, I'm I'm anti-Philly, so seeing them get to Game 7, and there's a bunch of stats, like you know, uh, what, Castellanos was 1-11 in the NLCS. Is this like a a Purdue basketball question of, would you rather them be a 6 seed and lose in the second round, (laughs) or be the one seed and lose, yeah. and lose to the 16th. Yeah, I, I mean, think- the, it happened to the Eagles. They got to the Super Bowl and lost and blamed the field conditions. And the Phillies led three games to two, lost at home in a game seven. And all their big players, I mean, Schwarber, Harper, Trey Turner, Castellanos, all just didn't do anything the last couple games. I think you would... You would like them to struggle mightily in the regular season, but if they're gonna go the postseason, then you're like rip their heart out. Yeah. yeah. So like every time the Packers made the playoffs, I'm like, come on, someone just destroy them, and then be yeah. like, the 49ers would take them to task. I'm like, yes, more of that, please. <laughs> I think yes. that's how Colts fans felt 28 to three when the Falcons were leading in the Super Bowl over the Patriots, and then slowly but surely everything unraveled from there. Uh, what else did we miss? NBA last night. Uh, winners Nuggets. Pretty handily over the Lakers. The Lakers were good with LeBron on the floor, bad without him uh, on the floor. Uh, Jokic was tremendous, as you would expect. Triple-double for the MVP. And then in the nightcap, Trace Jackson Davis actually did not play in that game. That would be a coach's decision. I was a little surprised by that. Golden State, they often go small. They went really small. I think the only guys they played over 6-8 last night were Kevon Looney and Dario Saric. Uh, so very small approach there from Golden State. Uh, Steph Curry had a nice night, uh, but it was the Suns winning on the road there. Devin Booker with 32 in that Yeah, I one. think the only other thing would be no swoosh needed here, Mark. Uh, will Levis officially, that announced today, Will Levis will get the start. Uh, I'm excited the, to see him. As the Titans play. I mean that in all seriousness. Really? Okay. 
I mean, do I really need to watch Ryan Tannehill play quarterback again? Oh, I mean, listen, for an AFC South, I mean, Atlanta's a solid team. I, I don't know. I, I don't have high hopes. What was that, Mark? Ooh. The plop. The now, Andy, that is an all-natural sound. That was right here, off my spoon, yep. into the coffee cup. Um, gravity Ooh. at its finest there. The acoustics, uh, second to none. Uh, you hear that in the sphere in, in Vegas, the acoustics <laughs> like that. That's what you heard That's my there. That's wake-up alarm, mayo. actually, plop. just the plop on replay. <laughs> uh, can we circle the calendar? Uh, December 4th, do I have that right? December 3rd? Uh, December is, 3rd. No, it's December 3rd, yes. Yeah, Colts-Titans December 3rd. Colts-Titans. Mayo and the coffee. Go down to Nashville, go to the Country Music Hall of Fame, you know, get some Nashville hot chicken, get a yingling. Now, Tannehill's hurt, right? Uh, Tannehill's hurt. He, they thought he, High ankle? Yeah, they thought he might be able to play this week, so this could be a week-to-week thing. I mean, they've already seen Malik Willis, so if you're kind of rebuilding anyway, you might as well throw Levis out there. Levis, I think the over-under for me, Levis, would be one and a half interceptions. Is I'll the, take the over. Is the young quarterback JV game Desmond Ritter, Will Levis on Sunday, <laughs> and the varsity young quarterback game CJ Stroud, Bryce Young? Yes. Uh, CJ Stroud's been better than all these guys, oh, which I'm stunned question. by. Which I'm stunned by. I did not think that was going to be the case. Without Good for question. him, I guess. And I'm not throwing Richardson in there because he's been he's just been injured. I think Richardson. It would be Richardson and Stroud. They're different players. You know, the Colts would have maybe one more win. You know, maybe they win one of the. You know, maybe they win on Sunday. Although I know they put up all the points. Maybe they win on Sunday, and so they're over 500, and they're a little bit more of a conversation. But Stroud's been better. I, I would say that's as wrong as I've been on anything this season. You got some wideout names you want to get? Yeah, to? I'll throw some wideout names after the break. Some sure. Potential wideouts for the Colts to pursue. We'll do that coming up on the other side. It is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy, 93.5107.5, The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new and everything in between. Yeah, thanks for listening. Hanging out on the drivehuber.com studios. KB and Andy, Mark Dighton along. Reminder, Kristen Airy, voice, TV voice of the Pacers, going to be joining us here in about 25 minutes or so. Pacers, Wizards tonight. Coverage 6.30 right here on The Fan. Uh, did you see Michael Porter Jr.? Last night, arrive to the stadium for the Nuggets no, for his game. I did not. Do you see what he was wearing? Okay, no. He was wearing uh, he was wearing a Manning jersey, Broncos eighteen. Ah, how about smart that move there, Michael uh, Porter little, Jr. Little throwback. You was guys Peyton, like that? How about Peyton bringing all the kids on set? Did you see that for the Manning cast? Oh, I did not see that. No. How yeah. many kids does he have now? Two, three. Well, Marshall and Mo- is it Mosley? I, I, I think of the two. Um, he might have a third now that you say that. But he brought um, he brought their friends up on sta- up on like the the stage. The if stage, you will that yeah. he has in his man cave for the Manny cast, and they like diagrammed a pre-snap play. It was very efficient, oh, as you'd go. expect. He yeah, also t- told Clay Thompson, "Take it easy on the Nuggets, too." <laughs> Just, how about some Pacers love, too? He did say that. He's oh, been, I like uh, that. I like that. He is front and center at a lot of those. 
Broncos well, game. Clay Thompson had 15 points and shot three of 11 from three, so he did. So he listened to Peyton Manning on opening night. Uh, do you want some of these wide receivers here? We teased it before the break. Yeah, want, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. So we've been talking about, we, we can do this quickly here, and, and obviously, I think people like this kind of a conversation. Is a little bit like fantasy football because you can dream about your player, whether it be free agency or trades or whatever it may be, uh, to go out and to get a big-time player. And one thing you have been consistent about what over the next 12 months even what 18 months maybe yeah, two years 12 to 18 months is you know the bills went out and got josh allen stefan uh, stefan diggs jalen hurts and the eagles they went out and they were able to get aj brown i mean they ripped the tennessee titans off i mean so bad uh that what was it, it was a john robinson the gm there who ended up getting Correct, axed yep. and that was a huge huge reason why so i mean you do see this I mean, tyreek hill to, to, I mean, to Tua, yeah to Tua and all the weapons that are there like in Cincinnati, you know, I think that's one reason why the the Chiefs people have thought, well, you know, are the Chiefs that great because they don't have that, but you know, they've won a Super Bowl since they let Tyreek Hill go. Uh, and so, you know, to me, Devontae Adams, I'm going to move him aside. He's like a dream level guy. Now he is going to be, he is in his early 30s. He's going to cost you a bunch of money. Uh, we know the Raiders aren't going anywhere. I'm moving him aside. To me, he's like the dream level because he is a Hall of Fame, uh, you know, wide receiver right now and I think he does have what probably three really good years left you would imagine tread on the tires so okay so in 2024 I'm throwing names out here and KB tell me you may disagree if these guys are tier one for 2024 so in 2024 it's not a great class. It's not. Pittman's a part of that class. This could be a good thing for Michael Pittman. Uh, that it's not a, a, you know, to me it's not a spectacular free agent wide receiver class. Mike Evans T. Higgins, we know about the connection there. He and Pittman drafted around the same time, and Calvin Ridley. Okay, and I, you know, I would say, you know, Evans in his thirties. You know, Ridley might be one of those guys you look at the tier below him. You know, guys like Hollywood Brown, who I don't think much of, Kendrick Bourne, Tyler Boyd, those type of guys. 2025 is a freak show, KB. <laughs> okay? And the reason I bring it up is, would teams be willing to move these guys, right? I think that's the conversation here. I mean, you have guys who are set to be free agents after the 2025 season. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. This is after 2025? This is after 2025. Now, this would be a long God, wait. So long. But he, but Too here, long for me, man. Agree, but here's what I would say. The point would be, can you get one of these guys in a trade, right? Because that's what we talked about. Okay, can you okay. get Can you get one of these guys, and maybe a guy that's unhappy. Yeah, in who's a contract going, year, who's you going, give them a new contract. Who's going into their final year of that contract. They're not happy. A team's not going to re-sign him. I mean, Keenan Allen's going to be in his 30s. The Chargers never win anything. Uh, they never win anything, okay? Mike Williams has been often injured. So, uh, again, these are free agents. Would you be able to do something to get them? Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Amari Cooper, Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy. I think Jerry Judy should not be on this list, obviously. Jamar Chase, uh, Chris Godwin, Deontay Johnson, and then the guys right below them. Uh, to me, Judy would be on that list. Brandon Cooks, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Robert Woods. I mean, those are very, uh, you know, a big difference between the front line uh, in that second line. Now, Justin Jefferson, I'm writing him off. They'll do everything to keep him. C.D. Lamb, he's going to be there. Jamar Chase, I'm almost writing those guys off. To me, you know, I look at 2025 guys, you know, here in the next 
you know, 12 months or less that might say, I'm in the last year. A team might say, are we moving on? I don't think it's going to happen, but, you know, a Keenan Allen comes to mind. If you could wait for free agency, how much do you love a Deontay Johnson? Uh, I guess my point is by looking at all these, it's easy for us to say Ballard needs to go get a wide receiver. I would agree with you. Do any of these guys fit the mold of someone, A, that you would want, B, that you could lure away? Because in free agency, you're going to overpay. I mean, I guess maybe to me, I look at the Chargers and a guy like Keenan Allen, what does he do for you? He's, He's too over- old. I know. He's too old. Too old. Too well, Mike old. Williams is too injured. Yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, Mike Williams too, is too you know, injured. He's always look, injured. It, it, it's going to take a substantial, substantial offer to get premium and Stefan Diggs premium AJ Brown premium Tyreek Hill a, a, a notch above premium in terms of what those three teams did so I, I, I'm shooting for even higher than that um and you know who knows how things will play out obviously guys that you might not think are available right now uh it could look a whole lot different uh, you know how do wideouts grow you know some wideouts have quiet you know, starts to their careers, and then by whatever year two, year three, now all of a sudden they're like, man, you know, this is a this is a star. Uh, you know, is that a guy that you could try and go after? I just think it's important to remind yourself that you don't take shortcuts and you don't skimp at wide receiver, especially when your tight end answer is not obvious. You don't have a George Kittle at tight end, and if you look at, let's just look at the two teams that played on Sunday Night Football, Andy. Philadelphia and Miami. Philadelphia drafted Devontae Smith 10 overall. The 10th overall pick in the draft. Miami, they drafted Jalen Waddell 6th overall. I mean, we're talking top 10 picks. Yeah, Marvin out. Harrison's going to go 2, 3, Major 4 somewhere. investment right. for a wideout. And what did they do? They said, that's not enough. Devontae Smith at 10 overall is not enough. We're going to do something Else. Well, look, what Se- look at even what Seattle did. Arguably bigger. Seattle with Jackson Smith and Jigba on top yeah. of DK uh, Metcalf. And Tyler Lockett. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, these teams look at it and say, hey, we've got to make sure that we go above and beyond. Obviously, Miami, they went you know with Tyreek Hill after, again, taking Jalen Waddell six overall. So that's why I sit here and think, I am a fan of bringing Michael Pittman back, but that doesn't mean that you just sit there with Pittman, Pierce, and Downs and operate moving forward with, with with that trio. No, you need to go above and beyond with that. Obviously, at some point, it means you probably aren't going to pay Alec Pierce if my scenario kind of plays out, um, but that is how I view the situation. And that's why I look at the trade deadline next Tuesday, Andy, and think if you're able to move somebody that you don't view in your 2024 plans and you get a draft pick in return, it's not going to be a first-rounder. It's probably not going to be a second-rounder. But when you're assembling a trade package to make a blockbuster deal, if it's you competing with, let's just say, Tennessee and the Colts are competing for Justin Jefferson Mm -hmm. in a trade, and the Colts have an extra pick. Tennessee just got two picks in return for Kevin Byard. If the Colts somehow have created extra picks that they now feel comfortable putting in a trade package. And that's the difference. Going head-to-head against a Tennessee or a Houston or a Carolina. I'm trying to think of some of these young quarterback teams. That, to me, could be the difference maker in Anthony Richardson's development, what the future of your franchise looks like. 
and one of the more important positions in sports and and, and why yeah, I'm interested in the Anthony Richardson effect. Like, if he played this season and, and was one of the big stories of the NFL, would other guys look at it? Okay, so there's two things, and I'll ask you, because I'm with you. Going over this, listen, uh, Jefferson, I don't see him being available in the time frame that we're talking about. But did we think Tyree Kill was available? I, 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 you know, I, I know, I know. He, you just I mean, never know. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, I believe, I, I fully believe he's going to be back with with Dallas. I would be stunned. Jamar Chase in Cincinnati. I mean, the only thing would be if the the Brown family there in Cincinnati, they're like, well, we're paying money to a bunch of guys, including Joe Burrow. You know, what do we do here? But they're going to lose Tyler Boyd probably in the offseason and or T. Higgins. So they'll give all that money to Chase. So Chase and Burrow. And my, again, this is just me spitballing here. The, the guys that, I mean, what do you think? I mean, two ways we could look at this. You re-sign Pittman, okay, and he's a younger guy, so you're getting him more, you know, in the prime of his career, 20s, late 20s, and everything else, and you couple that with an older vet. You may not like, you know, a Mike Evans type, a guy who's in his 30s. Gosh, I just, I, 30 is I, I, dangerous. Listen, I'm Show me you. these 31, 32-year-old wideouts that, that are producing. Do you like Calvin Ridley? Because he'll be an unrestricted free agent now. Yeah, like like in like you know in two months he'll be able. You can go get Calvin Ridley. Right, right, right. And make it eleven mil this year. There's nothing else tied to his contract. He's done with the Jags after this season. I want to shoot for the moon even more. Like, like Riley asked. Okay. Riley just sent in an email. T Higgins is it, man. The interest is already there, and he's a number one. If not, isn't for he like Pittman though? Jamar Chase. I agree. Like I, I don't view him as a. I mean, to me, he's not when better you're talking than Pittman. Diggs, Brown, and Tyreek. Those three are in a different tier than Calvin Ridley, than T. Higgins. Um, Again, you're going to have to produce a crazy trade package. It's going to have to take a team that all of a sudden views themselves in some sort of selling mindset. And that's why the Justin Jefferson Minnesota one, to me, is a bit intriguing. Now, Minnesota in you know, six months, they could be drafting a quarterback high in April and say, Justin Jefferson, we need that dude to help our young QB grow. I think Minnesota was one of the rumored teams of, well, did, did they take Hendon Hooker? Where, where did Hendon Hooker go? Not that he's like the the obvious future. Oh, goodness, where did Hendon Hooker go? I'm blanking Isn't completely. Isn't it funny how you no, get these I, names in oh, draft season I, and then you just forget about them? Oh, he's with the Lions. <laughs> I was thinking the other NFC her. North team. Like, I guess I guess my point is, if you can't get a 1A, getting a 1A is... Yeah, is it's is, better is, than nothing. It shocks the NFL. Then you're talking about 1Bs. And then you get into guys who are 31 years old and you get into guys who are good, but they're not what... They're not... I guess... I don't... I don't believe what you're talking about is realistic. Is realistic. Yeah. I guess that's my. So I start to look at the guys that are right below that, right? But, but I am Evans, curious. Or Ridley. What did Buffalo think three months before that trade? What did Philadelphia think three months before the trade for AJ Brown? What did Miami like? Did they all view that as realistic? You know that that and again, that's a bit of an unknown with it all. Was Stephon Diggs kind of the two there? Because I know Thielen was there. Am I missing somebody else that was there? Diggs had not produced the resume that A.J. Brown even had produced, or certainly Tyreek Hill. Like, he was 63 catches in 2019. He goes to Buffalo in 2020, 127 catches. (laughs) So, like, I view Diggs as a very good player. He took a jump. Now, he was a first-round pick, right, Diggs? uh, He was a, no, he was a fifth-rounder. Was he really? He was a fifth-rounder. Oh, my god! So, it was one of those things where Minnesota 
52, 84, 64, 102, and 63. I think we view Diggs as a true two. Remember, they had Thielen was there, and he had the big play to Diggs where he won the playoff game. Remember, yeah, and, you uh-huh. know, Joe Buck went nuts right. and everything else. I think we would have viewed... This is another way to look at it. I know we're late for a break. You could view it as you get a guy who's kind of a 1B, and with Anthony Richardson and Shane Steichen, Ridley goes from, I'm using Ridley as an example, Ridley goes from 75 catches, let me look up what he's going to have, to 105 catches, and now you have Ridley, Downs, and Downs is the other part of this, is some of these guys you're not going to want because of, like to me, I don't want Jerry Judy. I got got Josh Downs. I don't need Tyler Boyd. Downs is going to be better than him, and he's free. He's cheap. It's a debate (laughs) we'll have a whole lot here coming up in the coming months, and obviously the Michael Pittman situation, how all of that plays out, will be something to keep an eye on. All right, a little bit more Colts and some Pacers chatter with Chris. All right, short segment here. Uh, KB looked at us and said he had something. So Ian Rappaport has tweeted or video or what? What do we have on our site well, here? Jim Mercer's comments last night, uh, he made two announcements. One, Anthony Richardson, successful surgery, nothing alarming, no timetable, about what you would expect. Surgery yesterday in L.A. for Richardson. The other announcement was... Ursay sharing that the NFL told the Colts they got the calls wrong <laughs> at the end of the game. Ursay also added in that tweet that uh, he feels like all calls should be able to be reviewed in the last two minutes of a game. Um, while Andy, I personally think the NFL should be a little bit more transparent on these calls like they did there. I guess that is a big no-no in the league office. You do not share. Uh, there's no two-minute report like there is in the NBA. Right. So you don't share that information. Ian Rapport from NFL Network said, you know, it sounds like there could be a bit of, you know, repri- yeah, reprimand, he's, fine. He's a billionaire. I'm on, I'm yeah. on Ursay's side on this. Great. That's what his, his fan base wanted to hear the NFL got it wrong. That's what I, they wanted. I'm just a little confused why the NFL doesn't do that. Like, they make... It's, it's right here on the box score, the eight officials from... Sunday. We all know their names. Um, their numbers and their names are right here. I mean, hell, one of the, one of the guys on the on the crew is from Indianapolis. So, it, it, like, why not the two minute report? While there are some fans that are like, I don't really care. It just means I feel worse about yeah, it. Like the pool reporter. At least yeah. there's public accountability. I, I don't know if it changes a whole lot, but I'm all for public accountability. I mean, it does, I no, it doesn't it. change anything. That you're not going to go back. You're not going to change anything. But I, I don't. Yeah, to, to me, it's just accountability. There'd be no what. Like, what's the downside to it? Everyone knows. I mean, I guess you could say if if it's kept under wraps, you you never know if it's the NFL sees it as a bad call. Yeah, the NFL I mean, that sees would be it as the only thing. Uh, yeah, that's just weak. No, no, I, 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 I'm Team Ursay on this completely. I agree. Take the um, oh, if you want to find them fifty thousand, that's fine. It's a but it is funny, Andy. One you, less guitar to buy. You you, <laughs> you never really see teams announce this stuff. Oh no, no. I mean, Ursay was pissed. Like he, what Ursay did was very out of the no, norm, and he knows, and Ursay knows his fan base is upset. Hell, he's upset. Right. They feel like they got you know ripped off at the end of the game, and that last call they did. Yeah, and it's like going back to the Baltimore game in week three. I don't. It's not like John Harbaugh walked up to the podium and said, "Yeah, yeah that EJ Speed penalty, <laughs> the NFL told us it should have been called. We we should have won yeah, that game." Ursay's a little different. Ursay yeah. is Jim Ursay, and that is certainly true with both of those tweets last night. All right, uh, Pacers chatter. Chris Denary, TV voice. Opening night is tonight. We'll do that next. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Wake up call. Appreciate Stephen Holder joining us. A lot of Pacer talk, a lot of Colts talk. You want to find any of it, you can. Podcast Center 1075thefan.com or download the podcast wherever you do so. As always, hanging out in the drivehubler.com studio. So we're going to get uh, Chris Denary here. We'll talk some Pacers with him uh, in about two minutes or so. You know, I want to bring this up, KB, uh, and you might be able to help me with this. You see, I'm wearing glasses today. Uh huh. These are brand new. Oh. These are brand new. I'm trying something. Not for the looks. Are those the blue, Ray? Nah, I mean, yeah, they, they have the, the blue tint to them yeah. that's supposed to be good. I've been having tired eyes okay. and my close-up vision. Are we blaming Mason for this? Uh, no, my close-up vision, although when I have been holding them and I kind of look down, I'm like, yeah, you're. it's a little fuzzy. <laughs> Fuzzy, so I'm damn near. That's a you problem, yes, not a him problem. Yes, to be yes, clear, yes, yeah. I'm damn near forty years old. My my mom was, you know, I, I mean, she had glasses early. My dad had them in the early twenties, and so this is I had like the close up ones, you know, but I never wore them around here because yeah. I can't look down and then look up and see you and Mark, and right. everything's fuzzy. So I actually have a little bit of a bifocal here, God, and a, like it, Ben Franklin. Nice. <laughs> I'm you. waiting for you to kind of like, like pull them up yeah, at some like, point. I'm like an yeah. old, I'm like an old man. And so everything, it's got better over the course of the show, but everything, like there's a small prescription in the main part. So everything is a tad fuzzy. It's getting better. I figured you, you wear glasses around yeah, here. I, I figured do. you could yeah, sympathize with them, me. Uh, I don't rock them like during the show just because uh, close up. I'm good. It is the long distance, the driving, a sporting event, yeah. a concert, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, see, I'm the opposite where of you. Then. I need them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We need to somehow get LASIK <laughs> and and marry. So that. I mean, uh, the problem I have is I'm like 2020 though. But, you know, my eyes get tired a little bit. They have to overcompensate. So I'm sure the YouTube audience has seen that. I'm sure they don't care. But uh, I have new glasses, so we're trying things out here. Who is the second leading scorer for the Pacers this season? I assume that you would put Tyrese Halliburton in as the leading scorer. Who would you put two? Would you put Matherin? About heels. 17 a game? Is it between those two? Why don't you ask Chris? He just joined us. I think it's between those two. You think it's between those two? Yeah. yeah I don't think Bruce Brown no. will be there. No, I don't think he'll be there. I think no. he'll be more of a fourth option on offense, don't you? Yeah. Chris yeah. Tenary, TV voice of the Pacers, joins us. At some point, I'll throw that question, but I do want to start a little bit more history with Chris Tenary. Chris, uh, year number, I'm going to guess, and I hope I'm somewhat close. I'm going to say 22. Uh, not, not that not that many yet. 18. 18. Okay, 18, 18. Got it, got it. Uh, hell of a run. Uh, congrats on that. Opening night is here for you. Uh, are we going to get Adam Silver with you guys tonight? I, I saw that he's going to be uh, over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse late, later today. Yes, we have our usual uh, in-game interview with Adam Silver. I believe it will happen in the second quarter. Nice. Uh, he's always gracious to join Quinn and I. So, uh, yeah, he's in town for uh, All-Star press conference at 430 
Um, and, you know, it's great to have him on opening night. Makes a lot of sense with the All-Star weekend uh, coming to Indianapolis in February. So, yeah, we, uh, I know Quinn and I look forward to it every year. I, we'll probably see him a couple times this year. Uh, but uh, like you, I, I saw him last night in Denver presenting the rings and uh, he'll make the flight to Indianapolis uh, for uh, today and tonight. Before we get into the season, players, rotation, storylines, et cetera, et cetera, I don't know, maybe it's a media nerd coming out in me here, but obviously tonight you'll have Adam Silver with you guys. Um, anything, are we expecting anything different broadcast-wise from you guys this season or pretty status quo? Obviously you, Quinn, and JJ uh, you know, still together, but anything different to expect or uh, pretty much what uh, what we've gotten used to? Yeah, we have the same personnel. I think uh, the cool thing is our uh, VP for broadcasting and our great director, Jamie Burns, he's been doing it 20-plus years. We've got some uh, additional cameras uh, uh, within the playing floor and around uh, Gamebridge Fieldhouse. So you'll see some different sights and sounds. Uh, you, you know, we now have, um, you know, the outdoor Bicentennial Unity Plaza. We've got cameras out there. Uh, we were doing a game uh, during the preseason, and there was a five-on-five game going on uh, out on the, the, the court at Bicentennial Unity Plaza. So there will be some different things that I think you'll see. You know, but our, and, you know, we have some different bells and whistles, but, uh, you know, we want to bring you the game and, and get people excited about Pacers basketball. Chris Aneri with us here on the Fan Pay Less Liquors Hotline. Well, Chris, I haven't met you, uh, but it's good to meet you over the radio. So, uh, obviously, enjoy the work and cannot wait to to uh, listen and watch to you guys all season long. How different do you think it will be, at least early on? This team has legit expectations to get to the playoffs, to uh, be above 500. Hell, both KB and I think they could be around 45 wins. We think they could be a top six seed. How much does that change, I guess, the thinking going into this season where everyone's talking about this team kind of taking the next jump here yeah they probably you know jumped a little bit further than maybe we thought last year 25 wins two years ago 35 last year and um you know i was listening to you earlier you know when tyrese got hurt at the halfway point of the season they were 23 and 18 and either in fifth or sixth in the eastern conference and i'm not sure they were a fifth or sixth place team but you know with tyrese playing well early in the year and miles turner um, it was a different team. I mean, if you look at when when Tyrese and Miles played, they played 48 games together, and the team was over 500 at 26 and 22. So it tells you how impactful and how important those two players are uh, to this team. To a man, I mean, when you talk to them, they're tired of not being in the playoffs. I mean, Miles Turner has tasted postseason play as a member of the Pacers, but, you know, really nobody else has, I think. You know, T.J. McConnell's been a part of, of playoff teams uh, with the Pacers, but if anybody else, I mean, Obi Toppin was in New York. Bruce Brown won a title in Denver. Uh, Jordan Worrell won a title in Milwaukee. But guys have not done it in a Pacers uniform, and uh, they're very hungry, uh, and, and they want to get there, um, you know, however that may be. I mean, if you have to get in through the play-in or the playoffs, uh, this is a team that believes that, it needs to get Pacers basketball back to where it's expected to be. Yeah, I think that's pretty well said. Kristen Airy with us here, year 18 for him. Obviously, you'll see him and Quinn and JJ. Uh, you guys do a pregame, uh, like a big pregame special tonight, right? Yeah, in fact, there's you, you've got two things that you can watch uh, at 530 
Uh, there's a half-hour preseason special that also aired on Monday night, but that's at 5.30. And then from 6 to 7, a, a live one-hour pregame show uh, that J.J. and Eddie Gill will host up in the Valley Loft. So, yeah, so starting at 5.30, you know, game lasts till about 9.30, postgame to 10. Uh, you've got about four and a half hours of Pacers basketball uh, content uh, tonight on Valley Sports. Let's go. Opening night here for the Pacers. Wizards, 7 o'clock. Tip on that one. I don't know if you heard the question, Chris, that I threw to Andy before you hopped on. Uh, who do you think will be the second leading score for the Pacers this season? Well, it's interesting. I, I heard it. Uh, you know, Tyrese was about 21 points per game last year. Miles averaged 18. Uh, he had the best year of his was career. That high? Buddy wow. Heald, yeah, Buddy Heald was around 16 or 17. Matherin was around, you know, 16. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I could see guys taking from a numbers perspective, maybe a step back a little bit. Um, you know, maybe Miles averages 16, maybe uh, Matherin averages 15, and Buddy averages 14 or 15 off the bench. But you've got guys like Bruce Brown and Obi Toppin that are going to get points. So um, it'll be interesting. I would think I would probably go with, with Matherin and Turner as, as probably your next two main scores uh, for this team. How much do you think that closing lineup could change a little bit? You know, for the most part, the starting group has been the starting group. I know there was some debate about Buddy Heal, but he's been with that second unit. Um, I guess into game situations, maybe you see this more in college than you do the NBA. Although the NBA, I'm sure you probably see it as well, but like the offense defense sub. You know, I'm kind of curious, Chris, when you get to the final few minutes of a game, um, is this going to be 1,000% Bruce Brown on the floor? Will Buddy Heald get any minutes? You know, is Obi Toppin you know, viewed as a part of that closing lineup? Um, how do you kind of view where that will, uh, I guess, start the year from a final, you know, three or four minutes of a game? I think it's pretty fluid. And, you know, having watched Rick Carlisle coach this team the last couple of years, he tends to lean on, on how things are going that night. I, I don't really think he's locked into a set group that is going to close the game. I mean, if he has, you know, if Buddy Heald really has it going, then Buddy Heald will probably stay on the floor. I mean, Rick is that type of coach that he's not locked into certain combinations at certain times. So I, I think it could be, you know, pretty fluid on a night-to-night basis, how guys are playing and, and, and matchups, of course, you know, can dictate that. You've got, you know, for instance, on Saturday night you have a Cleveland team. Jared Allen's out right now with a sprained ankle, but they tend to play two bigs. You know, other teams, you watched Golden State last night, they're playing small. So I think it could be on a night-to-night basis and I think can be predicated on how certain individuals are playing on a certain night. Chris Denary with us here on the Fan Tudson Coverage. He said four and a half hours at least of coverage, Pacers and Wizards tonight. I don't know. This is kind of a, a corny uh, question, Chris, and so I apologize. But obviously Halliburton playing well, being healthy, and all those sorts of things. It's such a huge part of, of this team. The numbers back that up. We understand that. Let's move him aside. Let's say he's healthy and Halliburton's doing what he does, okay? The key for this team, and that's a player or a player, the key for this team to take that next step besides Halliburton is what? Help me fill in that blank. Who would it be? Well, 
Yeah, I, th- I think it's got to be on the defensive end. I heard you guys talking. Uh, you know, I think Bruce Brown is a huge asset for this team. Uh, you know, a lot will be put on his plate from a defensive standpoint. Uh, for instance, tonight, I-, I would assume he'll he'll have the assignment of Jordan Poole, uh, the former Golden State Warrior. But I- I've said this, for this team to get to where it wants to be, that where it gets to the 40-plus wins, they have to be better defensively. Now, I don't think they have to be great defensively. I think this can be a very potent offensive team, but they have to be better. Uh, they were 28th out of 30 teams defensively last year. They don't have to be 15th, but I think they've got to be somewhere around 20. Uh, if you can improve eight or nine slots, um, I think that can correlate you know, five to seven wins. And if you're at five to seven wins, you're over 40 um, and, you know, might be approaching that 45. I still think there's a lot of parity in this league. Uh, There's a lot of good young talent. Um, I think all of, you know, I think most of the teams that didn't make the playoffs last year got better. I mean, you look at Detroit, they're young. You look at uh, Orlando with the Wagners, with Bencaro. I mean, I think it's going to be a fascinating year. And so Rick Carlisle has said that. He goes, you better be ready to play each and every night because there are no gimmies in this league. Um, You know, I think maybe 10, 12, 13 years ago, I remember when the Pacers started, you know, like 9-0, and they were 37-7. and Now, they were one of the better teams in the league. But you just knew on a given night that they were going to win, and you just wondered how much they were going to win by. I just don't think that exists right now, uh, even with the really good teams. I just think that if you don't come ready to play, uh, you're going to get beat. Chris, we ask you all the questions here on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. We got one here in the YouTube chat. Reed was curious, uh, is the uh, Boom Baby Bar open yet outside of <laughs> Gamebridge Field? Outside? I don't know if you, Quinn, Jamie Burns, and crew, you know, meet there for your, you know, pregame drink before you, you know, plan the opening night, but uh, I, I figured I'd toss that question to you. Yet. It's a beautiful plaza. I just wasn't sure if the Boom Baby Bar was open yet. I believe the restaurant and, you know, uh, it's a Cunningham restaurant and the bar and all of that that they're continuing to work on. I think that will be ready after the first of the year, Got it. you know, just prior, just prior to uh, the All-Star game. That's sort of the, uh, the, the time I think they're looking at. And it's going to be fantastic. I mean, when you add that and the opportunity, and it, it's, Indianapolis is so great downtown. I mean, uh, you can come down, get dinner, have a drink, and then go to the game, you know, whether it's for the Pacers or the Colts. But adding the, the restaurant and the bar and, and Bicentennial Unity Plaza has just made that a, a really cool spot in downtown Indy. All right, last one from me, and obviously he is TV voice Chris Denary. You will hear him tonight as the Pacers get their season underway, Pacers and Wizards, 7 o'clock tip. Um, I have said really for the last several months now, Chris, five or six seed. I, I think it's realistic. Um, you know, I, Frankly, I think it's kind of needed. I think it's an important step for this franchise to to take after the kind of the lack of either playoff appearances or playoff success they've had over the last five to ten years. Am I like not giving the Eastern Conference enough credit? I I, I don't know. I feel like you know talking to some other people, they're like, man, five to six. I I see it a little bit more in the playing range. Uh, am I missing out on some of these Eastern Conference teams that maybe I should give more more credit to? Well, I, I think, you know, every year certain teams take a step forward and certain teams take a step back. I mean, clearly at the top, uh, you've got Boston and Milwaukee. Um, 
you know, I think Cleveland can be really good. You know, we saw Cleveland in the preseason, and we'll see Cleveland twice uh, in the first five games. You know, Philadelphia, what are they going to be? Know. You know, with, with all, all the turmoil that's happening there, but they've got some really good players. I mean, Maxi and Joel Embiid, uh, the Knicks, I think, have a really good roster. Um, you know, Chicago has three. They didn't make the playoffs last year. They have three all-stars, right, in Levine, DeRozan, and Vucevic. Uh, they've got Kobe White. They've got Dasumu. I mean, they've got a lot of talented players. So in some regards, Kevin, you can put all of those in a hat and on any given day pull out and go, gee, I think this team could be pretty good. They might be the fifth or sixth seed. Uh, Miami, I mean, they've got Jimmy Butler. I mean, they went from the play-in to the NBA Finals last year. So I think it's going to be very competitive. Can the Pacers be a player in that? I absolutely believe so. But I think like all teams, you got to stay healthy. Uh, you got to do a better job at home. You, I was listening to you guys. You're right. The Pacers the last few years have been under 500 at home. They had gone like 30-plus straight years with a 500 or better record at home. So with so many games early, I think 7 of 9 and 11 of 16 at home, you really need to take care of home court advantage. And I just thought the, 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 the atmosphere and the crowds were great last year. I mean, you can tell this fan base enjoys watching this team play. Well, they also want to enjoy watching these, this team win. And I think that's where it's got to start starting tonight. Yeah, I think, uh, again, that is very well said. Uh, do you guys usually do pregame intros for opening night? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we will take those live. Okay. So, yeah, that's, that's always something that we do uh, on opening night, that we do a really quick open, uh, get to that second segment, because we know people at home that if you can't go to the game, it, it, it sort of helps you get into the season when, when you hear the PA announcer uh, announcing the team to the crowd. He's an absolute pro. He was a hell of a basketball coach for myself back in the day. He <laughs> is Chris Tenary, and you will hear him, Quinn, and JJ and company again coming up. Tip at 7, but coverage begins much earlier than that and much later tonight as they get ready for opening night. Chris, can't wait for it. As always, thank you for the time. Hope the family is great. Great seeing you and the grandson a few weeks ago, and uh, have a great call tonight. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, thanks. Uh, good to talk to you and meet you through the phone, Andy, and congrats on having a little boy. Thank you. Appreciate it, Chris. Thank you. That is Chris Denary, ultimate pro, great human right there. Uh, again, he will be on the call tonight, as you would expect, and I've always enjoyed how they treat opening night. They do treat it a little bit bigger with that Bally coverage there, so uh, they'll start it early, get you set for some intros and all of that. I, th- that final question there, Andy, that I tossed his way, am I not giving the Eastern Conference enough credit? I mean, Boston-Milwaukee are obvious. Outside of that, I I think Cleveland. I, I guess Philadelphia. But the Knicks? The Raptors? <laughs> Don't make me say something nice about the, the Knicks. Hawks, let me ask the let Heat. Me, let me like, ask you this: yeah, Miami was eight seed last I, year. I, I, I'm with you. Let me. Let I me. I just don't think they're slam dunks, is what I'm saying. Oh no, there's there's teams where you could see it going south. There's no doubt about it. And Chicago, listen, Mark, I'm sorry. No, no, I mean, every year. No, the Bulls. Like, the Pacers have to be better than the yeah, Bulls. The Bulls ran better. it back for like the third year in a row. They're, they're the no, same they're not team. Doing the we same, do the same team. song and dance to the Bulls every year. Same yeah, boy, thing on paper. They got so much talent. It's the same thing, just like Billy Don. Donovan's haircut's the same thing. I made that joke two out of the last three days, I believe. Let me ask you this. I've smiled the, the, Thank you. Yeah, I don't know if I'll go to the well a third <laughs> time. The question I would have for Pacer fans is if we sit here and they're not what you thought they were going to be, Kevin, 
what are we missing before the season? Like, I don't think there's anything with the Colts, right? We were, you know, negative. Is the offensive line going to be back? Are the corners going to be this? It's the quarterback. I don't think we were just overly wrong. We thought Josh Downs would be good, and Josh Downs has been good. Um, We thought Minshew would be solid if he had to play, and Outside the turnovers, Minshew has done some good things this season. If there was something with the hype and the youth and all the the you know the conversation around the Pacer team that maybe we're just simply missing, if you could look into the future, if they're not quite the team you thought they would be, if they're more fighting to get into those playing games, what would it be? That would be yeah, my question. The age-old one, Andy, of they can't guard you or me on the perimeter. I mean, perimeter defense has been such an issue. Honestly, Miles Turner probably ranks up there and blocks so often because they're freaking at the rim right. seemingly every, every other possession against the Pacers. So I'd start there. Um, I would go with Benedict Matherin doesn't take that next jump. Being the you know number two guy in the starting lineup is, is a big deal. And so those would probably be the first two items that I go to. Um, but I do want to make sure this, Andy – expectations, in my opinion, should be the fifth or sixth seed. Winning needs to start to happen. Now, let's say it doesn't happen. Let's say they're, whatever, the 10th seed or the 11th. I mean, it's just, it's not a season that at least I or you are expecting. To me, it's not like DEFCON. It's not a, you know, oh my gosh, Rick Carlisle's on the hot seat. Tyrese Halliburton is demanding a trade. You still are in a position as a franchise based off the cap space you're going to have next offseason. Um, you know, you've got the two first-round picks, your own, and that crazy one coming from, I don't know, there's a b- bunch of different permutations how they get that second first-round pick. But they've got two. Um, you still have some, you know, kind of wheeling and dealing you can make with your roster. The Pacers are going to have, in all likelihood, five guys not play tonight that when you find out who the five guys are, you're going to be like, wait a minute, those dudes have been playing before. Like Jordan Wara, you know, Jarris Walker is a top 10 pick. Maybe Ben Shepard, um, you know, Isaiah Jackson. I mean, you are going to have some notable names. Daniel Tice likely not in the rotation. So you still, what I'm getting at is you still have avenues to tweak, to try some to things, to alter, right. Right. however you want to describe it. So again, I want to make sure that like, I'm as clear as I can be on this. I think they should be a top six seed. I do. It's important to start feeling what a playoff game is like for a core. Not just a fan base that hasn't felt it in a while. That matters. But your core. I mean, you know, Chris just laid it out. Miles Turner hasn't been in a playoff game in quite some time. Buddy Heald's never been in one. Tyrese Halliburton's never been in one. So uh, that is important, but it's also not like if this doesn't work, you blow it up. You're not there yet. This is still... It's still a, it's a rebuild with winning expectations in it. Yeah, I don't know if I'm saying that right. I think I think that's fair. It's not a what it is. It's it's not a finished product. We know this is not an NBA Finals team, but that doesn't mean you're a you know you're a ten seed in the Eastern Conference. Okay, so the Pacers have their own, and they have the Clippers first round pick from the Paul George trade back in 2019. Isn't it like I I thought for some reason it was like whichever team finishes Uh, worst in round one between Oklahoma City, Utah, Houston. That's all I see. I don't know. It's very confusing. All I know is they have an additional first rounder. There's a bunch. And it's supposed to be in the 20s. The Knicks have a second first round pick because of the Porzingis trade in 2019. The Pelicans have the Lakers first round pick because of the Anthony Davis trade in 2019. So 2019, uh, you know, coming back to come back to roost, if you will, four years later, five years later, I guess technically. My official, I, I guess I'll go 46 and 
36, if I'm doing the math right, does that add up to 82? Uh, what would be your... <laughs> I was about your, to say, hang on, I need to make sure... <laughs> I, I think need, it does, right? Two need, carry the one. I need to make sure it, it uh, equals... I, I think I'm going to go with 43 43. Wins. Yeah, I think Andy 43 Sweeney. Mark Dykton, you want to throw a number on it? Throw a number on it, Mark. 39 and a half, I believe, is yeah. the over-under I, we looked I, up I yesterday. Bet that, I bet that in July. Give me 44 and a half. Well, I mean, get, get, give us a. Are you going 44 or 45? Because oh, that, I, thought, that, I thought you. I'm sorry. I thought you wanted over under. That I'm, matters for Kevin Bowen's bet. <laughs> I'll go 45 to make I was about happy. to say 44 and yeah. a half is, gonna, is basically like, what, what KP's all is about. Is this a tie? Is this Colts Broncos from Thursday Night Football? I want you to sweat a little bit, Kevin. A tie? We haven't had a tie this year in the NFL, have we? We haven't. Honestly, Colts, Colts Ravens was close. That when was, close. was Oh, it was close. Final couple minutes. Yeah. yeah. That was probably the we closest haven't even had a game where it sniffed it, have we? I can't I think like of another one. That's the closest one. one. Oh no, that's the one. Uh, Paul Casaro going to join us here. Obviously, legend Paul Casaro, UND, a basketball coach. Great season for the Greyhounds. They've got IU on Sunday exhibition game with Mike Woodson and company. So, uh, chat with Paul a few times last season. Again, a great year for the Greyhounds. Jesse Bingham back uh, in the lineup for them. Um, so uh, he's going to join First us. First question: up How are you going to get ready for Mackenzie and Baco? <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. Don't know. Don't know if there'll be any uh, Taco Bell will be the pregame yeah, meal I mean, for you, Wendy. I mean, there is a Taco Bell literally across from campus. There, <laughs> I, I that. visit that quite no, of frequently. There is. Perfect. There is. I mean, what college campus? You'd yeah. be, you wouldn't be doing your job as a franchisee for Taco Bell if yeah. you did not. There's many that. a night I pulled into that Taco Bell drive-through. <laughs> sure, you did. Now, did you do? Did you have the same? No, not the same interaction. You just, can I have more sauce, please? <laughs> yes. Uh, begging that the drive-thru is open. Uh, so Paul Casaro will join us here to round out the show. Obviously a pop quiz. Uh, $4.59 Barber Lounge, $100 gift card. We're giving away all week long for the pop quiz. So go ahead and give us a call for that. 317-239-1070. Before all of it, morning checkdown. The morning checkdown. On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Yeah, we're talking some Pacers. Might as well start there. Again, Pacers, Wizards, our coverage beginning at 6.30. It's all about Tyrese Halliburton. Here's what he had to say yesterday about opening night. Excited. Excited that training camp is done. Excited preseason's done and get to get back to the real game. So it'll be fun tomorrow and just looking forward to, you know, building on what we've been able to do in the preseason and, you know, taking tomorrow as a as a stepping stone and using that to build the rest of the year. Seven and a half point favorite, the Pacers. My expectation is the Wizards stink and the Pacers should win that and the city needs it. <laughs> Frankly, they need 48 <laughs> hours of cheering for a winning team after what they've had to experience here as of late. Uh, other NBA news items from last night. The Western Conference got underway, if you will. Uh, Lakers lose to the Nuggets. Nikola Jokic did Nikola Jokic things. Triple-double for him. LeBron was good, but when he was off the floor, the Lakers were bad. Uh, no Trace Jackson Davis, though, for the Warriors. Did not play. It's a coach's decision. Golden State went a lot smaller than I thought. Uh, Kavon Looney did start. Dario Saric was really the only big guy, quote-unquote, that came off the bench there. And the Suns, they won last night without Bradley Beal. Devin Booker, a big night on the road as they beat the Warriors who were playing without Draymond Green. Uh, all right. All right. In Major League Baseball last night, you find, Scotty just walked in beaming, uh, be watching that game seven. Uh, you saw it last night. Diamondbacks come back from 3-2 down. They win the last two. They get the win 4-2 last night. Here's the final call, ESPN Radio. Seawall, the 1-2. Swing and a high fly ball right field. 
playable for Carroll near the line. Carroll under it. He's got it, and that does it. The Arizona Diamondbacks are going to the World Series. The Cinderella run of the Arizona Diamondbacks continues. They're the National League champions, and they knock off the Phillies in seven. Yeah, tons of uh, numbers coming from this series. Castellanos, who was so great all postseason, not in the NLCS, just one for 21. Schwarber, Harper, Turner, one of 11 last night. Schwarber, the only one that got on base. The Phillies left seven guys on base last night. They lose the last two, and Arizona now goes on to the World Series. Game one, Rangers and Diamondbacks Friday night at 8 o'clock. All right, lastly, on the Colts front, they will start uh, their practice week beginning later today. Some news items. Does look like Juju Brents is going to miss some time. We'll see how much. Uh, Eric Johnson left the game with an ankle injury on Sunday. He's the guy that kind of took the most snaps for Grover Stewart. Uh, So the Colts added Ross Blacklock to their practice squad. Former second-round pick out of TCU has done very little in his NFL career, but we'll see uh, what he can provide the Colts. Uh, Other items from, I guess... The boss, that would be Jim Irsay. Late last night, Anthony Richardson, successful surgery in L.A. Yesterday, uh, did not give a timetable. Irsay, again, Shane Sykin said last week, good chance should be ready to go for the spring offseason program coming up, which really begins a little bit more in May is kind of the big focus for the spring offseason program. And Jim Irsay saying, uh, the NFL got the calls wrong. They told us. I love it. Uh, I guess he's not allowed to share that info. Personally, I think the NFL should have some public accountability with their officials, but that's neither here nor there. Ursay said that. He also added he wants all penalties reviewed. I, I want to make sure I have this lingo right. He goes, I believe we need to institute instant replay for all calls, including penalties in the last two minutes of all games. What's the over-under on the fine? Is it fifty? Is it a hundred thousand? It's an owner, so I kind of feel like it's a it's a billionaire. So it might be. A, is it a hundred? I could see the NFL 000? that being one of their like golden rules. Oh sure, I, thou totally. shall not reveal yeah, the, that we messed up a call. Yeah, yeah. so I could see like a hundred. I'm more <laughs> of the thirty-two owners. How many of them do you think agree with Ursay that replay for all oh, calls? Man. That's didn't one of we those, do this a few years ago? Yeah, it, that's just one of those man. It giveth and it taketh away, right? It does. I mean, it could be the Saints game. It could flip the other way, and the Colts get the benefit of the whistle, and we're just celebrating, and we're talking about everything else but the end of the game where they got the call to go in their favor, I guess. There's just so it's, much judgment. There's yeah. so much gray it ain't gonna area happen. in it. Yeah, I don't see it passing, but uh, Ursay. Uh, doing Jim Ursay things uh, last night on X. All right, on the other side, pop quiz again, 459 Barber Lounge. $100 gift card coming your way. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. All right, pop quiz time. I'm just looking over the questions right now. I I don't see, I only see one question that starts with 45 years ago today. So Scotty's being nice to people on a Wednesday. Scotty keeps it within one generation. That's a win. No. That is a win. $100 gift card, $459 Barber Lounge, given away all week long here on the pop quiz, right across from the Fashion Mall, 86th Street. Andy Sweeney, before we get to Paul Casaro in about 10 minutes. Give us a number. Uh, let's go with caller number two, Mark. Who would that be? Caller number two. Uh, Malcolm. 
Malcolm, good morning, sir. How are you? Morning. You ready to go? Sort of. <laughs> All right. High energy here from Malcolm. Is that kind here. of piss and vinegar that we <laughs> need at, tell you at what, 936 a, a Bill morning. Belichick approach. <laughs> Malcolm, congrats on the gift card. You ever been to 459 Barber Lounge? No, I haven't. Well, um, you're going to be looking like a stud after that yes. haircut. Uh, good luck on your effort here on the pop quiz here. I'm leaking confidence right now. You want me to go? Question number Set one, over, Okay, over under two and a half for, for, for Malcolm. You're going over or I'm, under. I'm, I always go under. It, that has nothing to do with Malcolm. I just I just take the under and I move on. Uh, all right, the Rangers and Diamondbacks open the World Series on Friday night in Arlington. Malcolm, which of the two franchises has won the most World Series championships? You got a 50-50 shot here. Mm, the Rangers... Number two, Malcolm. The Phillies lost in the NLCS last night despite playing at home. Five teams in the 2023 MLB postseason faced elimination at home. How many won that elimination game? None, one, two, or three? Two. All right, question number three, Malcolm. Uh, you said you were taking the under or the over on two <laughs> I was taking that, yeah. You know which way I go. It's like okay. a Giants game. Uh, Jokic, 29 points, 13 rebounds, 11 dimes, and the Nuggets win over the Lakers last night. Jokic, just the third reigning finals MVP to open a season with a triple-double. LeBron James was, of course, the last to do it in 2016. We're asking you, Malcolm, who was the first to do it? Was it Larry Bird? Bill Walton, Tim Duncan, or Magic Johnson? Larry Bird. Larry Bird. The initial emotion and then the answer every time. Malcolm, very consistent here. Uh, number four, LeBron. 21 points for the Lakers in last night's loss to the Nuggets. LeBron is entering his 21st NBA season. Malcolm, name the only player in NBA history to play 22 seasons. I would not have gotten this right, Scotty. Uh, is it Bob Parrish, Kevin Willis, Vince Carter, or Dirk? Kevin Parrish. <laughs> With the most random answer. Well, uh, that that is random. I, I mean, I guess first name or last name. It's not right, correct? Let me take A and B and you mash them together. Yeah. Question, Let's just move to five. Question number five. 45 years ago today, this future Hall of Fame pitcher became the first in MLB history to win the Cy Young Award in both the AL and NL. Was it Jim Bunning, Gaylord Perry, Raleigh Fingers, Ferguson Jenkins? <laughs> I like Jenkins. <laughs> there you go. All yes. right. Yes. Malcolm. Ah, gosh. You hate to say it, Andy, but you could probably see that opinion, one coming. That <laughs> was that an Ofer? That was an Ofer five. An I... Ofer with the 50-50 question to start. Yeah. You don't see that very often. Malcolm, congrats though. You get a <laughs> gift card. <laughs> Congratulations. Hundred bucks. Wrong, 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 wrong. <laughs> wrong, 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 wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Malcolm needs to get back to the morgue, I think. Well, after I, take, I take Kevin Willis. Food. 
Kevin Willis looks so old playing basketball. I would have guessed Kevin <laughs> Willis if you would have given me those four answers. Like, like Parrish looked old, but Parrish, he always looked old. Like Robert yeah. Parrish, Robert Parrish, he always looked yeah, Bob old. Bob Parrish, Kevin Willis, yeah, not yeah, Kevin yeah, Parrish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like Nowitzki didn't look too old. Like, he didn't look too old. And Vince Carter, you knew I'm he like, was, was breaking down. But, but Kevin Willis looked like gray hair, very old man in the NBA. And I know at some point Vince went away from, like, dunking Vince to, like, oh, wow, he's like a three-point shooter that's pretty good. Uh, uh, in that role there. Again, that was an 0 for 5. Yeah. Diamondbacks won an 0 1. The Rangers have never won. Not a single home team has faced elimination at home this year and won that game. Uh, wow. Magic Johnson would be the triple double on opening night. As we said, Vince Carter. And to round it out, it was not Ferguson Jenkins, it was Gaylord Perry. Yeah, on the triple-double question, I feel like you got to go either what, Bill Walton or Magic Johnson there. I don't know. Because you know Walton was going to get the 20 rebounds and the 20 points. Could he get the assists? Uh, Southside legend Paul Casaro, his Greyhounds, getting ready to take on Mike Woodson's Hoosiers this Sunday. We'll talk with the head coach of the men's basketball team for UND next. Yeah, busy night. Again, reminder, Pacers in action. It's Pacers-Wizards tonight. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 6.30, that pregame. KB and I have bets all over the board on over-unders and everything else. I'm officially, I, I during the break there, I took Pacers minus the 7. It's not 7.5. I'm I, not touching that over-under of 235. I think it's a smart bet. Is that okay? Smart one. Okay, all right. That worry. I don't know if that worries me or not. You want to bring in our next guest Speaking to the Payless Outline? Our next guest, I believe year four at the helm of University of Indianapolis. He could probably correct me on that. He is the legend. That is Paul Cassaro. Uh, Paul, always good to hear your voice. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on, guys. Year four? Yep, year four. You're four at the helm. Obviously, a ton to get to. A great season last year for you guys. I know the tournament didn't go how you wanted to, but one of the best regular seasons, frankly, that the program has ever had. Uh, but let's start with Sunday. You guys are going to be taking on IU in an exhibition game down in Bloomington. How did this game with Mike Woodson come about? You know, really excited, obviously. Grateful that you know the Hoosiers are having us down, get to play in Assembly Hall, you know, one of the cathedrals of, of college basketball. We're, we're, we're really pumped about that. Um, honestly, our uh, Scott Dolson um, had a relationship with uh, our athletic director and called and uh, saw, asked if we were interested, and it was an obvious yes on our end. Anytime we get a chance to play a program like Indiana, that's great experience for our, our players, uh, good publicity for the program, and just, you know, frankly, top-notch competition. So we're really excited. Now, you guys, was it Tennessee that you guys, like, borderline beat a few years ago? Am I imagining things? That was my senior year, actually, uh, when, when Sandra was still the head coach here. Um, you know, we had some really good players, uh, Darius Adams, Adrian Moss, and um, that was when Coach Pearl was still at Tennessee, and they were ranked mm-hmm. 23rd in the country and went down and, and, and were able to knock them off. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens Sunday. Um, just, you know, I, I tell our guys all the time, these games are about, you know, we got to go out and not get caught up with uh, all the atmosphere and just focus on us and be the best versions of you, Wendy. Uh, Paul, hey, you know, I'm relatively new to the show here in the last three months or so. I worked, uh, I know you were in the Louisville area. I worked with Scott Davenport at Bellarmine pretty closely. So he 
gives me a what he gave uh, he gave you a what's up this morning, did coach? I, I think you were you watched his team a couple weeks ago, did you not? Yeah, he's a great coach, great guy. Uh, I have so much respect for that program, and we did. We had an off day, and you know we were talking to the staff. I'm like, hey, who can we go watch and learn from and get better? And you know, all these years when we were scouting against each other and they <laughs> sure. were our tribal, yeah. they would never have let me come to their practice when they were at <laughs> right. So, so I was like, I got to take advantage of this. I've been wanting to watch these guys practice for years, so that was a lot of fun. Yeah, they're the team that doesn't. They beat Louisville last year. They they don't let the ball touch the floor. I, I mean, KB, I don't know. They never let the ball touch the floor. Not not a lot of dribbling. Uh, what kind of team do you expect? What are the strengths? What are the weaknesses here as you guys kick things off here in the next few days? We have great senior leadership. You know, I think um, you know that that's the strength of our team. You know, we've had guys that have been with me for you know three and four years now, and I, I, if I gave them a practice plan, I think they could they could run practice themselves. You know, they they know the expectations. They really have a lot of pride in this program. So you're going to see. You know, we like to play a lot of guys. We're going to play probably a 10-man rotation. You're going to see 10 guys play incredibly hard. And at the end of the day, you know, whether we hit a bunch of shots, whether we do this or that, you know, we want to walk off the floor and have people say that no one played harder and no one was tougher than you, Indy. If we do that, I think we have a chance because we have some really talented kids. Again, he is Paul Casaro. Uh, the win totals 11-19 and last year 26-5 and record in his three seasons. Uh, obviously made the tournament GLVC regular season champs from last year. Paul's with us on the Payless Lickers Hotline. Paul, I, when I look at your guys' roster, because I'm always curious at, at the D2 level, how much do you benefit from a transfer portal down? You know, do you see the D one guys that don't get a lot of minutes that come down and 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 play for you guys? And correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not like you guys have a ton of like maybe Division one transfers, right? Um, we have one uh, Jarvis Walker, um, who you know that was a situation where. You know, I I, recruit, I was his recruiting coach when I was at uh, Division One Purdue Fort Wayne. You know, I recruited him out of Muskegon, Michigan. He came down to Fort Wayne. Um, I I left right before he got there to go be the head coach at UND. Never had a chance to actually coach him, but had a great relationship with his family. So that, in fact, when he did go into the transfer portal, it was a situation where um, you know he he felt comfortable with me, and you know he was able to come play for us at UND. Our other transfers are primarily uh, D two and NAIA transfers. But, uh, you know, and granted, they're, they're really good players who are going to help us win a lot of games this year. But we don't like to focus on the transfer portal too much, um, you know, in terms of we're not going to we're going to use it to our advantage, but we're not going to live and die by it either. We you know we got some really good kids that have been in this program since high school kids, too. So I think at our level, the key is balance. Also, the key is retainment. Name of the game in college basketball is if you can retain your team and retain your players. And, you know, I haven't at one time had a kid come to me in my four years and surprise me like, hey, I'm leaving. Like we've been able to retain our guys by building great relationships with us. They trust, you know, our staff. They know we take care of them. And it makes me feel good as a coach that, you know, guys, once they come here, they like being here and they want to stay. Uh, coming up, uh, the home games for UND, uh, November 16th, 18th, 22nd, uh, down there at Nickerson Hall. Uh, you'll see them in action again Sunday in Bloomington. It'll be an exhibition game with um, IU. I, I, I don't think it works this way, but like, do you talk to Mike Woodson before the game from an exhibition standpoint at all, or is this pretty much you just throw the ball up for 40 minutes and however Woodson wants to handle his, his bunch, however you want to handle your bunch, you guys just kind of go at it like that? 
No, yeah, every I've done exhibitions, and some coaches are different. You know, uh, some coaches have wanted to uh, talk before, uh, some haven't. Um, you know, obviously, you know, we're the guests; they're, they're they're gracious hosts. So, if Coach Woodson did want to talk before, happy to do that. Uh, he hasn't indicated that he wanted to yet. So, I'm just kind of, you know, like I said, if we don't, we don't. If if he wants to, we're happy to. So, that's kind of every coach is a little unique, and in my. I guess, you know, going to my uh, fourth year, um, every head coach I've faced has handled exhibitions a little differently. But bottom line, it's still a game. And, you know, both teams are going to compete really hard, whatever we decide to do, uh, you know, before the game. Paul, we'll end with this. Is there anyone crazier on a sideline than Pat Koontz for James Madison right now? <laughs> I'm seeing these videos oh of him. Gosh. He's going nuts right now for the Dukes. He has not lost a beat since, you know, since I've known him since we were little kids. You know, Pat's a, Pat's a second cousin of mine, and uh, I've taken quite a few uh, beatings from him growing up, but I'm really happy for him. He's, uh, he's every bit as advertised in terms of crazy, in terms of intensity, but he's a heck of a coach, too. God, high energy would be the biggest understatement in the world. James Madison, ranked number 25. Uh, shout out to Pat Coons on their staff there for the Dukes. Uh, Paul, can't wait for the season to get underway. Good luck on Sunday. I know it's an awesome opportunity opportunity not only for your kids but i'm sure for you as well and uh, the home opener again november 16th for the greyhounds paul thanks for the time man hey thank you guys have a great weekend that is coach paul casaro again the und men's gray gray men's basketball team the greyhounds the hounds they get their season underway with uh the hoosiers coming up on sunday you always see it every year you always see like an exhibition game of a of a scare for oh, a D two yeah. team, and uh, oh, I hope this game. I hope this game seventy two seventy at the under four minute timeout. <laughs> Colt Saints or UND versus IU Sunday at one. Where where will the attention oh, be later man. that game? I will say when the NFL is done, they do they do limp that Big Ten game for us on Sunday afternoon. So that's helpful. Yeah, that you Michigan get like a, State, you know, whatever. You get a five Minnesota. o'clock Saginaw yeah, Valley yeah, State. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Fine with it. I think Indiana. I believe it's Harvard. Is that right, Scotty? They're playing Harvard at Banker's Life this year, and that's after Colts Bucks. I think on a Sunday, the now IU did that it. last year. Four thirty, uh, Miami, Ohio, uh, was after that Eagles game. Um, so yeah, that'll be um, Indiana and Harvard this year coming up at uh, at Gamebridge Fieldhouse again tonight. Our coverage will begin at six thirty. Pacers and Wizards from Gamebridge Fieldhouse. A healthy Pacers bunch, so I don't think you're going to see any sort of injury questions or anything like that. Playing time looks like a healthy fifteen guys. They finalized their roster yesterday. Oscar Sheboy. Kendall Brown and Isaiah Wong. Was that the other guy on the two-way? I think those are the three yeah, two-way Isaiah guys. Yeah, Isaiah Wong, yeah. Just not room enough. Too many of those same guys, right? Sheboy, Kentucky legend. <laughs> yeah. Again, I, I love my man Oscar, but he should have he should have gone back to college, transferred away from John Calipari, and gone to make, you know, three, four, five million dollars in NIL money somewhere. He could have been a preacher too, you know. He's like a kind of like a mini preacher. Really? Yeah. Motivational messages. Oscar, I feel like does Oscar Bowen have a good ring to it? If we have a third, Oscar Sweeney. <laughs> no. No. I could probably get away with it, right? I don't know. Little gas. Maybe maybe a little bit more than you. Yeah. Little gas doing great, by the way. He's good. I wish he slept a little bit more during the you night. You said but nine to midnight, right? That's yeah, been his issue. Nine to midnight's hell. He turns into a hellion. But other than those three or four hours, he's pretty good. Can't I complain. Guess at least there's sports on during that hour. Now there's, if we're looking for positive. I, I'm, I'm going through The Sopranos again. Oh, boy. <laughs> Some of you are wondering. I'm in season three right now. <laughs> I'm just laughing, thinking of like the nights of just 
waking up in the middle of the night of kids screaming. Those days are behind at this point. I was going to say laughing yeah. or crying I was having say, PTSD yeah. about it because that's where I feel like sometimes I go and obviously Max is not far removed from that. All right, everybody have a great Wednesday. Enjoy the nice weather. We'll recap Pacers opening night tomorrow.